the look on the colonel's face is so key to like recreating that moment. <laughs> There's so many moments in this movie where they just hold on the person's face for a long time. Well, just it's uh, great. one of my favorite lines ever, which you'll know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they couldn't stop the colonel from laughing hysterically in the background. <laughs> I like simple pleasures. Yeah. No, how dare you? Don't step on my line. Oh, okay. They're my top Sorry. moments. How many top moments do you have? Uh, you know, I only asked, I did not make a list of top moments. I didn't. I wasn't sure if we're still doing that. Um, oh, okay, shit. I mean, I have eight. That's fine. I mean, I I, I feel like we should say uh, we're recording this to be listened to on New Year's Eve. If you hit play at let's say like ten forty seven p.m., we'll let you know when it hits midnight. Yeah, no, that's a lie. We won't do that. No. Mm-hmm. I'm sure bathroom breaks are going to fuck that up. Oh, yeah. Maybe you anticipating a lot of bathroom breaks, old man? I'm drinking a lot of, drinking a lot of champagne. All right. Maybe uh, that's the Do you have streamer. more than one bottle? Yeah. Is that a, uh, like a Patreon exclusive there? <laughs> Only for uh, Twitch subscribers? I would say, is, is part of the streamer package, you just start wearing diapers? Ew, no. So you, you just go. What are you envisioning? <laughs> I don't know, man. You're into streaming now. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Hi, everyone. It's been like four months. I don't know. I'm sure you missed that scintillating conversation. I don't remember how to podcast, so we'll have to find it our way. Yeah. I got to say it was nice to take a break. Yeah. I watched that uh, that video about the like rise and fall of my brother and my brother and me guys, and I kind of like never wanted to be on the internet again. Hmm. I, just, I wanted to pull a full Michael Clayton, just like throw my keys in my wallet and my my phone into a fire and disappear. So it's a video about their downfall. It's just about them as like a podcast. And it's not even really, really like a fall. It's just like a, I don't know, a slow pulling back from the height of their powers or whatever. It just, it really made me hate everything about internet culture. So would the video not only explain their downfall to me, but explain why they were popular in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, it's only two hours long, you know. I'm sure you got time for that. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. We're back. My name is James. And I'm Marco Sparks. What up? What up, what up? It's our New Year's Eve pod. We're going to be talking about all-time classic boogie nights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just... All the uh, the content that we've missed over the past five months. Which I don't I'm know sure... if that was a, an eye roll or you had to burp. Yes. See, it's weird when I can't see you, you creep. Do, do, do you want to see me? Okay. Here I mean, you can turn it on. Oh, I can turn it on. Hi, what's mm-hmm. up? Oh, podcasting in the dark there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're uh, going to be talking about that and, you know, whatever enters our brains we don't we can't remember how to podcast so you know we'll see how this goes we're just gonna let it out and see which way the wind blows it Mm -hmm. hopefully this all records properly i'm like on a new computer new setup and everything but uh, fingers crossed it's all gonna go well (laughs) marco how you been i've been great how have you been hanging in there excellent trying to stay busy excellent Mm -hmm. how was your christmas it was good okay i got with the fam this time Mm. Without being outdoors wearing a mask. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Haven't gotten COVID yet. Yeah. I mean, it's been three days, four days. I don't know. I can't do math. Um, 
Sounds like Omicron, you start to show signs pretty quickly. So, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. But they still say what, like get tested around five day mark? I mean, get, just in general, like after. Well, like if you suspect, like you were at a gathering. I had no idea. I mean, I think it's really like you're it's, you're getting tested either because you have symptoms or because you're about to go somewhere mm. around other people. I don't know if you want to get tested just because like. That's a good know. place to get COVID. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get the home kits now. I got one of them. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you we it? all we all tested before the Christmas, just to you know be on the safe side. Cool. Where'd you get yours? Uh, the internet, Amazon. Oh, okay. Stick a little swab up your nose. It's all good right. Times. Did you enjoy that? Mm-hmm. Sure. I guess okay. these these tests you don't have to go like insanely far up like the original tests were. Hmm. Excuse me. All right. Well, let's um, let's return to the past five months and let's get some quick hits in. We we missed a lot of content, so uh, I got a list here. Feel free right. to add on anything uh, you may have watched that I wasn't aware of. All right. Cool. Uh, what are your what are your what are your big balls full of content want to shoot out? Shang Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like my comment on every Marvel movie and TV show is going to be, "It's fine." Uh, except for one. Except for one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eternals was not fine, I suppose. It was less That's than not, fine. That was not a good movie. It was boring. It was oh my God. boring. Oh, fuck me. And dark. Not not tonally, but visually. Um, if, there's if just I a ever... black hole of charisma at the center of that movie, which is the quote-unquote romantic relationship, where there's just no chemistry at all. If I ever wanted to rewatch that movie, that would be a great movie to talk about everything that's wrong with it. And it's a movie would I was it? fucking I mean, that, just, that sounds exhausting to me. Like I said, if it I ever wanted to rewatch it. It didn't work. No. And not even like in an interesting failure kind of way. It was just like, I don't know. I, I After I saw the movie, I saw some quote from Chloe Zhao who's like, she's like really inspired by like Zack Snyder's movies. And I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why the vibe isn't working. Also, everybody, you got to stop it with the thirsting after that creepy Irish fuck. You got to stop it. Talking about uh, Ugh, Barry don't, don't Keegan. Don't say his name. Is that his oh, name? Is he going to show up I'm here? I'm sorry. Like, we're Beetlejuice? summoning him. No, yeah. I thought he was awful in that movie. I saw some He's, people like praising him. I oh, thought he, like, like most of the acting was bad. He was especially awful. Mm-hmm. Like, distractingly bad. I was rooting for this movie for a lot of reasons, but... Man, we could tell like just from the turd. jump, like from the first trailer, it's like, ooh, that kind of looks like a dud. Even like the concept of the Eternals before you saw the trailer, it's like, is that going to be good? That doesn't sound good. And it's like, well, Marvel made Guardians of the Galaxy good, so they can do anything, right? But it's like, turns yeah, out. Yeah, but I think we can all admit in hindsight that that was still a kind of funny trailer. Well, I remember even before the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like, Hey, this movie has a fucking talking raccoon and like a giant sentient tree. And that was supposed to be like, this is going to flop. But like, I remember thinking at the time, like that could work like talking raccoon. I could see how they could have fun with that. Uh, Eternals uh, has no talking raccoon. That's for sure. The beauty of James Gunn is that he can take stuff that's dog shit and whether successfully or not, at least have fun. Like he's, he's, he's better when he doesn't have like the Avengers or a Superman movie. The problem with the Eternals on a trailer level was it was like showing you just a few things over and over again, which made you question like, okay, is most of this movie too spoilery for the trailers? 
Like on well, the I fact that they the only way they could let you know it took place in the MCU is having somebody just make a kind of forced reference to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's nothing else to signify that this took place in the same world. Yeah. I just I I don't know how much Chloe Zhao works with like actors, but I can only assume the direction was like, no, you're putting too much charisma in it. I, I need less. I think I need less. I think I said to you as as we got out of the movie that like there have been other takes on the uh like immortal living throughout history you know maybe this isn't the worst one but it's definitely the most boring way to tell it for sure that was i couldn't believe that movie was three hours long um but any other marvel movies have a crawl i don't think so no um real quick just on shang chi i don't want to give two short shirts it was fine it was it was enjoyable it was a maybe a little too marvelly at times like you know, sometimes the formula kind of sticks out a little too much. It's like, oh, look, it has third act problems. I, I spend most of that movie just thinking, man, like Tony Lung and Michelle Yeoh, like you should be required to put them in like a $30 million movie. Like Disney should be just required to make like we're going to make go make an adult movie with these two actors and we'll put $30 million into it just for the pleasure of having them. And it's like stupid franchise movie, you know. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Michelle Yeoh-verse. Um as evidenced by her new movie coming out, but like Tony Lung, holy fuck, he's turning it on the moment he shows up in that he's, movie. I, I, if there's he's a flaw, turning it on. If there's a flaw in Shang Chi, it's that Tony Lung is so much more interesting of a character in that, <laughs> even though he's like just the villain or whatever. It's like I'd way rather watch a movie about him than Shang Chi, who seems nice, but I don't know. There, there wasn't a ton of pathos for me there. There's about a solid hour of that movie that's just fine. Mm-hmm. It's just Good, fine. The, the I, fight it, scenes were noticeably better. I will say that. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like simple camera tricks and stuff. What's the main actor's name? Uh, Simu Lee, I believe. I, I, I mean, like, I don't know. The mix is not quite there. And like, there's so many other things that overshadow it, both good and bad. I hope in the second movie they let him cook. Um, Cause he might, he might have a great dynamic. I don't know. I would uh, rather see another Shang-Chi movie where it goes more into like, awesome kung fu scenes rather than crazy cgi dragons and like the, the whole 10 ring thing like the way they use that as a power was just bizarre to me i didn't find it very interesting like well, it was and, just like and, weird kind of like rings that shoot around and bounce and do stuff and we absolutely did not need the uh return of what's his name from a controversy that's no longer with us i hope oh ben kingsley i mean i was fine yeah. with it i didn't care it's just that joke went on way too long. Uh, and I feel like the movie might have been too long. I don't need I don't need every movie to be over two hours. Yeah, most movies should not be. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about Shang-Chi. We talked about the Eternals. As long as we're on the Marvel kick. Spider-Man, No Way Home. Did you see it? I did. You did. Oh, last question. Last mm-hmm. thing. I'm sorry about Shang-Chi. So glad that Jessica Henwick, when she had that choice, chose the audition for The Matrix instead. I guess uh, I have I have Matrix thoughts we can get to down the line that's on the list, but mm. it's probably I don't know. I would assume she would have been like the sister maybe yeah. in Shang Chi. Oh, what a waste is Katie! What a waste. Um, no way home. Yeah, that's fine too. I think it was pretty satisfying. Um, Did it I th- feel like three hours? I don't think it was three hours. I think it was like maybe two and a half. Eh, two and some some change, but mm-hmm. two and a half and some change. But like, yeah, it didn't feel as long as it was. It was weird watching it, it like, because I can't turn off the part of my brain that's like, 
doing this like meta analysis of like where the franchise is and like what Marvel and Sony may or may not have agreed to. And it's like, Oh, it looks like they may be setting up for, you know, Sony to go their own way. Maybe if they want to, or maybe they're kind of retconning Peter Parker out of the MCU. It's like, it's hard not to think about that while you're watching the movie spoilers, by the way, um, for anything we mentioned here. Um, but I do think it, even with all the kind of, franchise architecture happening in it it still probably had a more satisfying ending than most marvel movies just because it did arrive at like a conclusion for a character you know like this could theoretically be the last uh tom holland spider-man movie they make and i think it would feel like you got to a satisfying conclusion like even though there's threads they could pick up to make more spider-man movies it didn't feel like the movie was working overtime to like set up new stuff, like say like the Hawkeye TV show was, where it's just like, they're just dropping all these like things to be picked up later. Mm. Mm. Uh, but it's yeah. fun. I mean, I think I, I enjoyed seeing all three Spider-Man on screen more than I thought I would. Cause that was rumored forever. That was like, Oh, Toby and Andrew McGuire is going to be in it. Is it won't be great. And it's just like, eh, I don't know, whatever. But I think it was actually pretty fun to get the three of them in their dynamic. Yeah. Especially Andrew. Because Tobey Maguire, I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge Tobey Maguire fan. I'm not a tremendous defender of those three movies, but I, I think that that character, I've never really had a grasp on who he is. And and Andrew Garfield did enough weird things in his two movies, especially the first one. Uh, the second one is Andrew just, Garfield, like just walks away with that movie. Like he completely steals it out from Hunter Tom Holland's feet. Oh, absolutely, Him absolutely. And, uh, and, and he gets he gets an incredible, you know, redemption arc, I guess, of sorts for for his his movie. I mean, it made everyone be like, oh, wait, so he actually wasn't the problem with the Spider-Man movies, you know, it was the script. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I could do a whole separate podcast on what I think of Sony and how how fucking horny they have been to be where they are now. Um, I feel like they kind of stumbled half backwards into success with Into the Spider-Verse. And then like Sony, like the way they think is they're like, well, everything must be Spider-Verse now. Like We have to yeah. do that in our main Spider-Man movie, too. Um, well, it, and it worked. My question for you is besides Dr. Strange, how many characters from No Way Home will be in Multiverse of Madness? From Spider-Man? Probably yeah. none. I don't know, man. With the I mean, reshoots to get cameos in there, I wonder. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be Spider-Man cameos, though. You're going to get, I think, either Andrew or Tobey Maguire in that movie. You think so? I do. I don't. Um I, I, Mr. I would be looking more Fast for Bender. like, um, uh, what's his face? Daredevil or maybe uh, Jessica Jones, maybe Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nope. Like I, I'd see those as more likely than like getting like Ned in there or like Andrew McGuire. Or no, I, th- I think you're going to get one of the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just Andrew Garfield is just so much more lively and malleable and charismatic than toby mcguire jesus i mean i thought toby mcguire played his version of peter parker to a t like he, he definitely wasn't like it, it wasn't like he was unrecognizable or it felt weird seeing like older peter parker like it's like he was definitely playing his version of peter parker like to a t still got that muppet voice mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was it was a. Uh... I mean, of Utterly all fine movie of all the Marvel movies this year, I would say No Way Home was definitely the best of them, followed by probably 
I guess I'd go then Black Widow, then Shang-Chi, then Eternals. But, you know, I think No Way Home's way ahead of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Even though it still has this, like, Marvel movie thing, or maybe it's just like a John Watts thing where, like, visually I didn't really find it very interesting. Like the final is John fight. John a real person. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah. Is he? Is he just like the <laughs> Rousseau's like pseudonym or something? Like, like the final fight on the Statue of Liberty was just so visually uninteresting to me. It was just like, oh, a lot of scaffolding and like sand and yellow lightning. Like, this is boring. But my biggest, uh, the biggest issue I had with No Way Home is uh, when it gets to Strange doing the spell at the end to to erase Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's like, he goes in this whole thing about like you know i won't know who you are anymore all the people who know who, who care about you won't know who you are anymore and it's like earlier in the in the when he's first doing the spell he's just like well nice knowing you like you know like he doesn't he's, he implies then that i won't know who you are i didn't feel like we got into like a whole emotional thing where dr strange is now going to reveal that he'd always like peter parker the movies just don't have room for that yeah no that's just but like it's kind of a, a an important hook it's almost like strange didn't on. realize it He's like, well, now that I'm doing this a second time, I've had some time to think about the spell. And yeah, I won't remember you either. Also, I feel like uh, the trailer might have been accurate in the uh, Wong probably should have said, don't do that spell. And in the movie, he, he very pointedly says, just don't involve me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'm going to Shang-Chi now. Yeah. Um, Things just kind of got out of hand. I multiverse also, I love that, that is... like, Wanda is in a completely different physical location in the trailer for that she's, movie she's pruning as though she's pruning the timeline get it yeah yeah, yeah. She's pruning the multiverse uh, i'm just kind of curious to see what the fuck is it like having sam raimi back and i just know there's going to be a juicy ass uh, interview with him about like dealing with the marvel system and like oh marvel wants to do reshoots to maybe maybe not like spoilers rumors tweak how much of a villain wand is maybe maybe not include more cameos i like from i'm sure that's about like sam raimi i'm sure that he's loving that i'm sure that as soon and probably even before spider-man no way home was a massive hit they were like the new thing is character cameos like how, how many of them can we wedge in this is the new hotness it's just who who can show up in your movie or tv show for a second that makes everyone go oh shit mm-hmm. yeah anyway Hawkeye. IP baby. Um, hey, speaking of Sam Raimi, though, I don't know if you saw. There's like a GIF going around where it's like, there's a shot in I think it's Infinity War where the creepy telekinetic guy whose name I can't remember, right? Um, like Thanos's goon or whatever. He's With like a great voice. He's like splitting a vehicle in half as it flies towards him. And there's mm-hmm. a very similar shot in the Doctor Strange trailer where yeah. Doctor Strange does it, and it, it's just like. I, the the gif originally was supposed to be like oh look doctor strange learned from his adversary or whatever but what you really notice is that like the two shots like the Raimi version of it just looks much more colorful and vibrant than the infinity war stuff so maybe that that's my main hope for a, a doctor strange movie i think is that it just looks a little more cinematic with a, a real director behind it yeah i would say flaws flaws though he may be at times and uh, sam Raimi's a real director um mm-hmm. But like Spider-Man 3, I feel like was also probably a product of studio involvement. You think so? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean the original Spider-Man 3? Yeah. 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 Sorry. Well, yeah. of course. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's well documented. I mean, I just find it fascinating, like watching. The, obviously, they're very scripted and crafted, but the, the press stuff. And like Jamie Foxx, of all people, is like, why am I doing this movie? 
oh, I met with Amy Pascal and she had a great vision for this movie. And I'm like, Amy Pascal, huh? I don't know. So I, I could go into a whole Sony thing, but I don't care enough about Sony. I just, I, who is more desperate for success in their superhero offerings? Is it Sony or, or like the DC film people? And I feel like Sony's doing well now. I don't know how. Oh, yeah. One how, movie uh, has put them in a good position. Well, well no, I mean, Venom is Venom making movies. money, you know, so yeah. congratulations. Oh, and then the, the fucking bizarreness of the Morbius trailer. Yeah. Like referencing, like there's all these kind of callbacks of the MCU in that trailer. I mean, obviously there's, there's Michael Keaton. I mean, that's just, that's just good sense in marketing. The MCU is sure. the biggest franchise in the world. You definitely want to, even if you're not directly connected to it, you want to imply that you are. Sure. Sure. I mean, I will stay the hell away from a Jared Leto movie, but good for is you. Is he going to have the vagina that? hands? That's what I'm curious about. You know, I don't want to think about Jared Leto's vagina hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that a Morbius thing or a Jared Leto thing? No, it's <laughs> Good point. Is that a Morbius thing? Doesn't he have like little like weird teeth on his hands? I don't know. Morbius got too much into the the Ghost Rider and the Midnight Suns aspect of it all. So that's kind of where I veered away from my corners of comic book nerdum as a teen. All right. Well, last last Marvel hit. Did you ever finish Hawkeye? No, I'm I'm in episode five now. It's fine. Re- really gravity, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. I mean, um, it's, it's, I think this show would have been a lot better if they said, okay, you have Hawkeye, you have Kate Bishop and we'll give you Elena and you get no one else tell a story, you know, instead of like, here's a whole backdoor pilot for echo. And then Kingpin's going to show up and he'll have a whole deal. And I don't know, it just swordsman it, in swords. I mean, swordsman is great, you know, best character on the show by far, but it just felt like the show it almost didn't feel like a show as much as like an extended series of setups for future Marvel things. Hmm. It's like, like this is really things. just existing to set up Kate Bishop and more Yelena and like Kingpin being back in the MCU and this echo TV show that they're making for some reason. Hmm. I mean, I like Haley Steinfeld. She's, she's always great. And it I, shows at its best when it's her and Renner or her and Yelena. Like those are the best scenes in the show by far. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Uh, did you ever watch any of the Wheel of Time? No, no, thank you. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was less <laughs> than fine. I don't know. It seems very derivative of the Fellowship. Spin the wheel backwards and not watch it if you could. Probably. I mean, I was on my phone through half of it because I got bored after a while. I just, I don't know why you cast Rosamund Pike and then put her in this like ugly, like dishwater brown wig through the whole thing. Like, what is the point? Um, Mm. Yeah. It seemed generic and I'm sure the budget, I believe was huge, but it didn't look like it on screen. That's for sure. Mm. Mm. It's just not, I don't know. What are we doing these days? It's like the game is changed with streaming. Like it's no longer about like making a show that like captures the zeitgeist. It's really just about like saying you're going to do a property that has a built-in fan base. And then like, no matter what you shit out, you're going to get attention from that fan base. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter how good the show is. It's like, well, you- and you'll get, you'll get, you'll get some viewership from people who just like, Oh, this is on TV or mm-hmm. whatever streaming TV. And then the people who are like, Oh, I'm never going to read a, 16 book fantasy yeah, i've series. heard that's Each good i'll watch is... it it was just basically me yeah 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 but i mean hey in their fucking faces you went and read all those witcher books I mean, the witcher books are good the show's not so much it just it seems like there's no incentive to actually make 
good television on streaming. Mm-hmm. Like the incentive is to get the property and say you're going to to make this new thing. Like, you know, you've got the IP, you've got the captured fan base. Whether or not the product is good doesn't matter because it's probably only going to last three seasons anyway. And you really don't want to make a ton of seasons of it. Like, I don't think Amazon wants to make like seven seasons of a Wheel of Time show. It's probably more of a budget commitment, no matter like how good the show is. Can't afford that. They just want something in their library or they can say, yeah, we've got Wheel of Time too. Or The Witcher or Stranger Things or whatever. Which, I mean, I guess at this point, if you're if you're pitching a streaming show, you might as well pitch it as a three-season max venture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's really no incentive for the streamers to want it to be longer. I, and it's just very few shows that, that I feel like have survived that, like your Grace and Frankie's. And I don't actually know what number of seasons Maisel's on, but... It can't be more than like four, I would think. But still, if it's four, that's insane. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Good for it, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, the Witcher season two. Are you watching of it? I watched the first two episodes. What do you think of the second episode? Uh, as you and I discussed on a Red Robin just a few days ago, I was like, wow, these are the other Witchers, huh? They fucking suck. Yeah. It's so weird because like in the book, there's like four other witchers and in this there's like 20 and it's like a weird frat house where they just have like a bunch of whores around, even though it's their like super secret witcher base. I don't know. The the changes in that show are bizarre. That's another show where I, I just think the the writers and the like the film producers are kind of out of their depth. They don't really know what they're doing. They know how to make a certain kind of show. And so they're going to force the witcher to be that kind of show, even if it's not. Mm. Fucking Animal House for weird magic dudes the first episode is good yeah yeah it's good to see uh giant spain back spent like 20 minutes of the episode being like <laughs> who is that could guy? it be yeah could it be mm-hmm. i'm like whoever this actor is he's got a real foreign giant spain energy it yeah. was weird seeing siri basically be like daenerys jr through the whole season like mm. i mean I th- she's like 20 i think the actress she was definitely playing much younger in the the first season of the show it's oh, like it's, it's she clear was, she's you know grown up a lot and now she just yeah. looks like mini daenerys and they've got her hair like you know similar style and whatnot like i i, I have to imagine that's at least somewhat intentional because she was you know a minor when they filmed the first season i mean that had to have been i don't know three four years ago yeah a yeah. while ago yeah it's been two yeah. years since the first season came out yeah but i mean like in the first season it seemed like she was playing like 12 maybe and in this right. season, it looks like she's playing 18, even though no time has passed. There's a fucking bizarre moment when they're at the Witcher frat house and like uh, the one dude who fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> You'll have clearly to be more specific. Like, the guy who's like clearly been bitten by the zombie. Yeah. He shows up and it's like series just like chilling with the boys, having a drink, having a laugh. And it's like then she immediately like later is like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm totally broken by the death of my people. <laughs> Is that where like, I think somebody else makes a joke about like the, the shitty witcher, like Eskel and like, she yeah. laughs at it too. And he, and he gets, gives like, her like a shitty grin. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to laugh at that. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, Oh, did, five seconds. She's going to forget that. And remember mm-hmm. that she was uh super sad. Yeah. It just makes me want to go read the books again, which are great. You just, you can't have Henry Cavill doing his whole fucking What's up? I'm the Witcher. You're like, and then all the rest of the guys are just like, sup? We bump swords like they're dicks. 
Uh, you don't watch The Expanse, right? No, no, I'm so far behind The Expanse. Yeah. The Expanse final season theoretically is out. It's been good so far. It's it, after watching The Wheel of Time and The Witcher season two, I was, it was like a breath of fresh air to be like, oh hey, these guys know how to make a show, and because they came from uh from like a cable network, they still like have that like DNA of like we need to make this good rather mm-hmm. than we're just farting it out for a streaming service mentality. Um, and so it's, it's very satisfying. There's, you know, act breaks within episodes. Each episode builds to something. It's nice. I also like when the writers are involved in the writing of the show. The, of the books. Yeah. The two guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? Dune. The movie. Dune part one. Alternately to me, brilliant and hackish. What was hackish? Uh, you know what? I could have this conversation fresh having watched it hmm. like, I don't know, three months ago, whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. There's parts of it just I thought were great. I I love Bill News way of of bringing you into a world, making it feel real, even if it's not a world I totally want to stay in. I mean, it's it's why I liked a lot of Blade Runner 2049. Um, some of the things that are kind of important, he glosses over. Um, just I, I think he's. He did a good job about things he doesn't need in part two and a bad job about things he needs in part two. Um, really diving into the world's or the, 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 the book fan base's love of Duncan Idaho. Um, it's very much a Jessica movie. Felt very Zendaya baited um, from the trailers. Uh, Paul doesn't do a whole lot. I just don't understand. How do you want have... to see the flimsy white guy do a lot, but like he doesn't do a whole lot. You've got a character named Duncan Idaho. You've got... Was it Leto, Atreides, or something? And mm-hmm. then you've got Paul. Yeah. And it's like, Paul, huh? Okay. That was yeah. it. You couldn't have given him a cooler name? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking bizarre movie. I, I, if you're interested at all in the story, like the David Lynch movie, I'll say this. They got that whole fucking book in there. I mean, it's a mess, but they got that whole fucking book in there. Uh, the sci-fi miniseries from like 2000 is wonderful, even though it's super dated. Yeah, I thought Dune was fine. I mean, I, I watched it at home. I'm sure it probably would have been more impactful watching on a massive screen. Even though I have a big TV, it's just, it's not the same, you know. Um, it looked good. It was, you know, well made. I was mostly entertained, although the the pacing was definitely weird. I the thing I couldn't stop thinking about while the uh, the plot was unfolding was like, how is this like warrior like clan's security so bad that like one doctor can basically take them out completely by like he has like access to lowering the shields and like turning off alarms or whatever like they just get caught with their pants down completely and it's like i thought you guys were good there's no real explanation about what his thing is well then it's like like he is and then he just gets like executed by the the bad guy it's like well i didn't see that coming you idiot i would have thrown in some more about the ships and the navigators because that's kind of interesting if not important um yeah i mean I was, like i was also bummed that nobody said the spice must flow anywhere in the movie and there's certain things where you know i don't need everything explained like the fact that uh uh the harkonnens or how do they pronounce it they pronounce it differently canians no. um no uh but like the fact that the guy floats they're like fuck it he flies deal with that and i'm like mm-hmm. okay that part's fine um i love that they're just like no we gotta have we gotta have the duke nude I gotta have Oscar Isaac's dick in the room. 
Right, don't you though? Absolutely. All right. Did you see the French Dispatch? Yeah, it's good. I saw it as well. I loved it. Probably my favorite theater going experience of the year. Um, for the most part, I haven't really enjoyed going to the movies this year. Like, it's just I'm still uncomfortable. How could you? Even How could you? Like, just w- sitting there wearing the mask, just thinking the whole time, even if it's a mostly empty theater. Like, I don't know. It's it, it, my brain can't really fully like relax when I'm in a theater right now. I'd like it to, but especially now with you know Omicron and whatnot. But mm. so far, it's like I don't know. It's not the same. I've had one super enjoyable theater experience so far. Yeah, French Dispatch is definitely my favorite. Um, I really enjoyed it. Just everything about it. I liked all. I couldn't even pick a favorite uh, of the three short stories. I thought they're all great. I love Jeffrey Wright. I thought he was great in it. Um, I don't even. I'm not like a big fan of Timothy Chalamet, but I thought he was playing the right kind of character for his, you know, skills or, you know, attributes in the movie. Mm. Um, yeah, good times all around. I just. Yeah. I don't know. If you like Wes Anderson, why haven't you seen it? It's great. Also, Wes Anderson gets Adrian Brody. Yeah, yeah, he knows how to use Adrian Brody for sure. <laughs> I thought Leah Sadeo was great in it. Um, I feel like in a lot of her American work, she's mostly played like, you know, like she's been in like Bond and Mission Impossible. Like, I don't know. It's, it was interesting to see her get to play kind of a, a fun, quirky character. Yeah. Instead of just well, like not the to... girlfriend or the assassin. Yeah, yeah. Or the, oh, I, you know, I, do I have it on doomed, here? Doomed lesbian lover. I don't have no time to color. die on here. I don't know. If, That's uh, fine. Yeah, you don't have to put it on there. Mm-hmm. That was a movie, all right. It was a fucking turd of a movie. It really it, it held it together for about an hour and a half, I'd say. Anna de Armas, two minutes of her, fantastic. The the like seven minutes on Armas is the best thing about that movie. Everything else in that movie was, you know. Uh, I think, well, I, I the think last as, hour. as you watch the movie, you realize that like the vision that I guess the broccolis have had overarching for the whole Daniel Craig experience is not one I'm really interested in. Like what they wanted to do, especially like from Skyfall on, like where it's like, oh, there's all this continuity. We're telling this one contained story. Like I just it's like I just kind of want to watch a fucking James Bond movie. I don't care about what like Q is doing in his off time. No. Um, yeah, the seven minutes of Undermars are great. Uh, up until the last hour, the rest of that movie was harmless, like like forgettable, but mm-hmm. like not. And forgettable was a good thing, considering Spectre was not forgettable. It was just egregiously. At least Spectre bad. gave us the, it was me, James. I was the author of all your pain. Yeah. I could have been really into what the trailer for that movie suggested it was. Uh, yeah, I don't. I thought it was I thought it was a bad movie and the hype the really like the goodwill machine they tried to create in the hype that the go like, oh, oh we heard you about Spectre we've made it better here's Phoebe Waller Bridge she's gonna punch up like a lot of the dialogue um I think Lashana Lynch is an incredibly talented actor I think her character could have been lifted out could of that have been movie, completely sadly. removed from the movie and yeah. it probably would have been an improvement just in terms of like runtime and well and going into the movie I was like okay so what 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 how does this end if you have a new 007 and you have daniel craig's james bond still alive for one movie mm-hmm. where does this go and the movie never really addresses that like well, i remember at a I certain mean, up point, until the very end at a certain point late in the movie i was like 
why the fuck is Q still around? Like, this is weird that we keep cutting to Q. Like, I don't care about Q. Like, they're supposed to show up for five minutes to get Bond a new watch and like an exploding bubblegum package and then just go away. Like, I don't need more of Q. I don't want to like get invested in the Q character. No, they fucking love their their workplace family. Yeah, it's like this weird shit. workplace family shit. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, go make a, you know, like a streaming service show about like, mi6 you know office life or whatever like yeah, I, then you can have you know money penny and q hanging out and you know relationship drama and all that shit just a just a bad bad movie uh last night in soho oh i haven't seen it yet i enjoyed it i know a lot of critics kind of shat on it um i liked it it was fun i thought the both the leads thomasina um what's her face and Annie taylor joy are both really good. It was creepy and weird and spooky. It, there's maybe a, a few parts where like it's kind of like, oh, she's freaking out again, seeing things, and it's kind of like maybe one or two too many of those where you start to feel like, all right, let's get on with it type of thing, you know. But for the most mm. part, I enjoyed it. It was weird, it was different, it was original. That's always nice. Mm. That's shocker. Mm-hmm. That uh what's the guy's name? Matt Smith. Yeah. He, he's always a creep. I have, I have, uh, I don't watch Doctor Who, so I have like no fond memories of him. All I know him is that he's like a creep in everything I see him. He does it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think he famously played a villain before he ever did Doctor Who, where he played a child's hero. Hmm. He's in that movie that I've never seen that that people love to praise in Bruges. Oh, is he in that? I watched like I the he, first twenty minutes of that, and it was fine, but then I got bored. I think he plays a stone cold psychopath. I mean, mm-hmm. like. Uh, once I saw, um, God, what was it? That fucking horrible Terminator movie he's in. Oh, um, Genesis? It's like, he, cause he's got a weird fucking skeletal structure in he's general. like the, the personification of Skynet or something weird yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like at certain angles. You're like, oh yeah, I get it. He's a super fucking creep. I've never seen that. Uh, um, God, what's his name? Hey girl, Ryan Gosling movie. Apparently he's very creepy in that. Gosling. Yeah, Gosling directed a couple movies, and he's in the one something mm. River, Mystic oh, River. No, 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 no. The one where he Place Beyond the head. Pines. No, 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 no. That's not a Gosling directed movie. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he Gosling does these kind of uh, crime versions of David Lynch slash Crispin Glover movies on his own. Yeah. Anyway, what's next on your list? Matrix Resurrections. Great. Great ridiculous movie jessica henwick what a star yeah i thought it was awful oh it's a it's a horrible horrible movie but i enjoyed watching how bad it was every single moment it really it i think the best part is the the white rabbit montage all the stuff with keanu questions reality and kind of i don't know it, was, it had this very good flashback to the like late 90s like on we you know about you know living dull corporate lives like I was really digging all that. There's like kind of like lost, like, you know, season six vibes to it. And then like much like in the original Matrix uh, stories, as soon as they got to, I guess it was IO in this one, you know, as soon as they got to Zion in the originals, as soon as they get to IO in this one, it just falls off a cliff and I'm so fucking bored for the rest of the movie. And the action sucked. Like I was never, like, both you and I were never really like red pilled on the original Matrix. You know, we, we were never blown away. I, 
I saw the original in theaters a few times because I thought the action kicked ass and I thought the story was like deeply stupid. And like the more you thought about it, like the less sense it made. And like, sure enough, the more they dealt into it in the later movies, it was like, yeah, this doesn't hold up for a reason because it never made sense to begin with. Like this isn't don't don't look too closely at it and enjoy it for the action scenes, you know. The Wes Craven's new nightmare of this movie is bizarre. It's it's a bizarre movie. Uh, like I said, I I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed what was that Liam Neeson movie we watched where he was like an ice road trucker. I think like, I like that movie better than The Matrix Resurrection. That's, that's maybe a better movie, but I was like, as an oddity, like because that's why I watched it. I was like, I'm kind of curious what the fuck they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it. Uh, like I said, uh, Jessica Henwick was fantastic in it. She. Once they get to IO, it's like she kind of becomes the star until until uh, uh, Trinity becomes the star again. I don't know, man. I don't want to see any more of these movies. I'm glad. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that I saw it. I probably will never watch it again. Um, it's weird watching newer talented actors do their impressions of characters from the original trilogy. For some reason, yeah. I I remember like I was like listening to a lot of podcasts about it and. Like it's all these critics reviews are like Lana Wachowski is like reclaiming like the red pill and like the matrix and what it means. And it's like, that's all great. I don't really give a shit about that though. When I'm watching a movie, like I kind of want the movie to be good. I don't want it to be like a tweet thread where you're like, like, you know, laying down some dunks and like making your points. I just, I want the actual movie to be good. Uh, and this was not a very good movie and the fight. Scene well, sucked. But I think you're, you're positing that, it, that, you can't do both at the same time. But you can, but this didn't. Uh, no, it did not. It yeah. did not. I mean, like, yes, I do want her to reclaim the red pill thing since it has become such a, a rallying cry for honestly. The most I'm gonna be honest. Horrible I don't, people on the internet. I don't give a shit because I never ever think of the Matrix when I hear the word red pill. Like, I know it's from the Matrix, but I never like my brain never makes that connection where I'm just like, oh but yeah. But you can the get Matrix. that the creator, the co-creator of the Matrix, though would be deeply bothered by it too bad for her i don't give a shit as far as like watching the movie goes i don't really care like it's not like a mental association i have hmm. uh the mirror thing i thought was such a weak reveal the mirror thing which is the fact that you get these little glimpses during the white rabbit montage that keanu's uh reflection is not uh, yeah it doesn't really keanu. go anywhere yeah well no it's just like oh hey keanu that's why we couldn't find you for 60 years yeah you don't look like you <laughs> mm-hmm. okay okay it just seemed very lazy. I mean, there's like a scene in the movie where they literally say, like, basically addressing the camera, we're only doing this because Warner Brothers was going to do it no matter what anyway. And it's like, congratulations, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, like parts of this movie were using logic that I've seen in Simpsons gags. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the, the overarching villain is just like, bullet time that's our new secret weapon i couldn't stand neil patrick harris in this movie like his his like villainous analyst character i just was like like god can we not all right last movie that will lead into our boogie nights discussion licorice pizza did you see uh, let this? me just let me just throw out some movies that i've seen and enjoyed okay. that we don't have to talk about too much spencer fantastic i want to see it again the green knight it was a movie that i was baffled by watching it i have thought about it quite a bit since Drive My Car is Beautiful. Titan, which I recommend to no one, but I, I enjoyed in a weird way. Power of the Dog, I enjoyed. Shiva Baby. I even threw fucking Cruella on my list because it wasn't a great movie. Did but we talk about that? I feel like that came I'm out sure early in the year. I'm we sure we did. It, yeah. But thinking back on this year, 
I wasn't bored when I was watching it. Um, and then let me just say the movies that I've been dying to see that I haven't gotten to see Memoria, Worst Person in the World, Tragedy Macbeth, which I guess will come on Apple TV in January, though it's in theaters now, uh, Bergman Island, Benedetta, and then uh, I don't know. I'm kind of curious about West Side Story. I'm not usually a musical guy, but it seems fun. You know who isn't curious about West Side Story? Disney. You, I'm sure. Oh. Wow. Disney is like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> Dump this right before No Way Home. Oh, the Anson Mount of it all, though. I've never seen or the Anson, original. Uh, I'm, sorry, uh, Anson Elgort of it all, not Anson Mount. Anson Mount. <laughs> sorry, Anson Mount. You're great. Not really. He's better than Anson Elgort. Sure, I guess. I, guess I don't know. I haven't looked him up. Maybe he's problematic, too. He's a Star Trek boy now. Is he? Oh, is he yeah. on Discovery? He was. He's, Disco, like, he's Captain Pike. They say. He's, he's about to get his own show now. It's Captain Pike. Uh, licorice Pizza. So you, you braved COVID. Yeah. Which I saw thing? it in theater all by myself last night. It oh, was nice. awesome. Nice. I had a private screening. Um, so you, you didn't get to I, experience your audience reacting to some of those uh, scenes with uh, dude from Arrested Development then. Which dude from Arrested Development? Uh, well, I can't think of his name. Uh, the, the guy who's like doing the bad Japanese accent. Oh, 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 yeah, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> Just that fairies, like, I don't actually speak Japanese. I, I, I mean, can say, is, this is... my theater, it was, like, gasps. Like, people are like, whoa. You know, like, they're kind of, like, un, like they're kind of, like, scandalized by it, which, uh, you know, makes sense. Totally entitled to that opinion. I mean, that's a joke that definitely would have gone over a lot better 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um. I don't know, man. It was a weird movie. And at points I was like, when is this going to end? And where, why is this particular part here? I will tell you shockingly when the movie came most to life to me was Bradley Cooper. Oh, for sure. Yeah. At at a certain point in the movie, they introduced like the new guy running for mayor and like Mm -hmm. the, the weird dude in the number 12 shirt outside. And I'm like checking my watch. I'm like, come on, man. Like this has got to end soon. Right? Like what, why do we, what is all this we're setting up now? Like there's no time. Like I, I was definitely checking my watch a lot during this movie. I enjoyed the experience. I'm, I think it's one of those movies like I need to like think about for a while and watch again in like six months or so. But like on first viewing, I was just kind of like eh, one of the lesser PTAs. I had to go back. It won't be, ever be my one of my favorites of his, but I had to go do a lot of reading online. Um, I mean, I guess great starring vehicle for the entire Heim clan. It, <laughs> like it did feel a little family. weird after a while. Like not only is her whole family in it, but like the whole bit with the uh, the boyfriend who says he's not Jewish, he's an atheist, is apparently like something that happened to a lot of Heim, and it's just like, okay, at what point are we just like making the Heim movie here? You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the recurring things about penises, like, uh, what's your penis look like? I don't know. Normal. <laughs> it's like twice in that movie. Um, nice cameo by John C. Riley in yes. the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. Like I said, uh, Jack Holden being William Holden, uh, uh, the guy that, the fact that the councilman is a real person. I had to look all this stuff up. I was very curious. Yeah, I don't know. PTA and his his nepotism in the movie. It definitely seemed, it, it, I don't know. Like I, I recently read the Neil Stevenson's latest books. It definitely seemed like it could have used an editor. This movie had a similar vibe to it where it's like, Nobody really wants to tell Paul Thomas Anderson no anymore. Mm-hmm. When maybe like somebody could come in there and be like, 
great first draft. Let's let's tighten it up a little. I found the movie actually think about it deeply sad. Like I really felt bad for Lana's character after a while because she's constantly trying to find men of a more appropriate dating age and something keeps going wrong. And I was like, you, you can't be telling me the universe is driving her back to this. I mean, I point. think it's, it's kind of the classic case of the, from uh, what's his, Gary Valentine's perspective. He's 15. He wishes he was older, basically, mm-hmm. you know, he's like ready to get to that part of life. Meanwhile, she's 25 and is like, this part of life sucks. Like I wish I was younger and in a simpler time, you know, it's like, I feel like, it's an interesting contrast between the two of them there. When he tells us that the world does revolve around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the ending is definitely meant to be read as romantic. Sure. Yeah. yeah seemingly. I, I saw, I saw an interview of him where he was like, Oh, this movie never crosses a line. And I saw reviews where people were like, Oh, they just reaffirm their friendship at the end. And I'm like, yeah, sure. The way like Ben Solo and Ray have a friendly kiss at the end of that movie. I mean, to uh, me, it just seemed like a lot of kept experiencing moments where like the adult men in her life, like all her relationships, she just end up being used by them. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, he was this kind of more simple, more innocent thing that she wanted to return to. Like it kind of seems like what they're communicating. Is there like going to be a, a, a resolution to the, the one waitresses claim that he's the handjob King? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it the, never comes up again if he's the handjob King. But I mean that, that happens a few times where she's kind of getting jealous yeah, of yeah. him and it's like is this is he really it's like she likes the idea of like him kind of pining after her i think mm-hmm. and anytime it's suggested that like oh he has these other girls or he's you know getting hand jobs from this other chick or whatnot like that like bothers her even though she yeah. doesn't obviously she doesn't want to be bothered by it because she's like i'm 25 what's why should i care you know i didn't know a whole lot going into this movie i remember thinking like well i wonder if this is going to really damage the dynamic of Heim. like the fact that like little sister is Mm-hmm. You know, starring role in a movie and then when the entire family showed up i was like oh shit okay i feel like danielle was a little chaotic well it seems like you know like she's driving them together Estee's getting the uh the name drops in the taylor swift songs and alana is yeah. gonna get like an oscar nom danielle there i feel like you know middle child syndrome well she's just like hey hey alana why don't you go see your 15 year old boyfriend and hey gary why don't you go find her at her job i, I mm-hmm. was like come on danielle you know what you're doing you know what the fuck you're doing, Danielle? Problematic. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be like Lebowski, where like the first time you watch it, it just doesn't totally click, and you need to see it again more. But it did. It felt pretty shaggy to me. Like even even with all caveats that like you know there's deeper stuff going on, you need to think about it. Still felt a, like it could have been a little tighter. Maybe we needed John Peters to come back one more time. Sure. Uh. Girls like peanut butter sandwiches. Apparently, it's John Peters' real favorite, which is just weird to me because I know that, and then he says it in the movie, and it just there was like yeah. a surreality to like the the Haim stuff and like the John Peters stuff that like like is this even a movie or is this some well, sort and, of weird like so, family art project? The thing that really tied it into Boogie Nights for me, not just the time period, is the um, it's all based on like one guy's life, mm-hmm. like this producer Gary, what's his name's life. Uh, and like, as I'm reading more about Boogie Nights and how much of it is a research-based movie where PTA takes stories that he likes and then like, just, you know, changes some details and squeezes them all into his movie in like a, a mosaic kind of way. Uh, I was like, okay, I, I, I know that he's done that for other movies. I guess it just never really hit to me how much 
he takes from other people's lives. Just the fact that he, you know, he'll write whole movies for for people he likes, and if they don't want to do the movie, he won't do the movie. Um, I don't know. It just gave me a more full take on this director, for, mm. for better or worse. Uh, he said it was his favorite movie making experience. It's this movie, but I guess so. You, you got your wife, got your own kids, got all your friends in it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Filming it, it not far from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, can we talk about a movie that is hot fuck action to the max? Uh, we're going to be talking about Boogie Nights. You know, spoilers for this 20 something year old movie ahead. 21, no, 24 years old. Jesus. It's almost an Alana Hain. Boogie Nights starring Marky Mark. How many times have you and I, I gears for you, what is the thing that you and I have quoted to each other from this movie the most? There is so much. I don't I even almost, know. I almost yeah, Reed, like I got his fucking address. I almost feel like it's the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the fucking heart and soul and magic. You don't own that. <laughs> or can I suggest Todd Parker? Yeah, yeah. All of my notes for like the, I don't know, first 17 times he's listed is just Todd exclamation point Parker exclamation point. <laughs> Want to cut glass, you know, like razor sharp. Uh, do you have an opening statement for Boogie Nights? Uh, yeah, I got some rambling thoughts here. Uh, this movie is in my top five for sure. It's an important movie to me. It's one that I saw, I think, as a senior in high school when I was in a tremendously bad place and I needed not to just watch and continue to love movies, but the way everyone does. But I needed to discover that I needed to discover them again and have them bundle me up and fuck with my head and open my eyes wider than they ever could be um, and just be fun. And this movie is a brilliant tightrope of stupid and fun and tragic and beautiful and just tone. It's a full of many actors career, best work, including Marky Mark. Uh, though there's no reason to continue that career. So many montages that I, I hadn't noticed before. Um, shouldn't be a shock that PTA eventually did a pinch on adaptation considering all of the characters in this movie basically have pinch on names. Um, features a lot of references to, previously exemplary uses of film language and features homages to previous works by other directors, uh, but never in a bad remix way, especially considering this is like following on the, on the heels of Tarantino. Um, this movie's, I don't know. It works for me in a way where other people were drawn. and won't shut the fuck up about something like Goodfellas. This is my Goodfellas. Um, the way I can never really get excited about a movie about the mafia. I can about seventies porn stars in the Valley, I guess. Um, it feels like an, it's an experiment that shouldn't work, and it does, especially as he's using film language of the 70s. Uh, I remember being frustrated with Great Gatsby as a novel just because it was a textbook example of all the devices a novel can use. And I feel like, uh, you know, which is why it's taught in high school, which I feel like Boogie Nights is that for movies. It is film school in a can. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a resonance with other movies in my top 10, like Life Aquatic. And I could say a lot more, and I will, I'm sure. But I want to end with a question to you. Mm-hmm. Which is where the fuck is Ringo, you bitch? We never found out, you know. No, where no. is Ringo? Yeah, it's not good. It's excellent. Uh, this is in my top three favorite movies of all time. I love this movie. It's a masterpiece. Um, there will be critics that say that, uh, like the Master, there will be blood. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece. They can take a seat. Sorry, you're wrong. This is indisputably PTA's best work. It's a great drama. It's also just an incandescent comedy. It's so fucking funny uh, the whole way through. It looks amazing. Soundtrack is perfect. There's so many like effortless long takes, so many great montages. There's probably like a dozen short segments in this movie that most Oscar winning directors could only dream of pulling off. 
Uh, Marky Mark, perfectly cast as Dirk Diggler. Reed Rothschild, maybe one of cinema's greatest wingmans. Buck Swope, hell of an actor. Uh, I'm going to keep trying. And if you keep trying, and let's just keep rocking and rolling, making better podcasts mm-hmm. and statement. Um, I, I take that back. What I said earlier, I actually have nine top moments. I will run through them uh, because number nine is the actual line that you and I have quoted to each other the most. Oh yeah. It's, it's a real film, Jack. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. We have probably said that the most of anything. Um, number eight is the meet cute between Reed and Dirk at Jack's party. Uh, there's so many cool. People tell me I look there. like Han Solo. No, huh. just the, the exchange that I, I completely forgot about is the, how much do you bench you first? Mm-hmm. Okay. At the same time, one, two, three, you didn't say anything. <laughs> well, well, neither, neither did you. you. Yeah. That whole uh, scene is amazing. It's all one take. It's so fucking funny. The fact that they get such good comic timing without any cuts. <laughs> He's thinking yeah. of the martini, two, four, whatever, like drinking from the bottle. Yes. When the, as soon as Dirk turns around, sneaking a sip from the bottle. There's no reason just, to do the, that. The way Dirk kind of says nothing when he says, People tell me I look like Han Solo. He's like, huh. <laughs> Well, and the, the quick way you learn immediately that like Reed's an idiot, just like everyone else, with the, um, so Jack says you live around here. I said, you know, so Jack says you're on this, you know, you're homeless or something. Yeah. So he said, he says you live on this street. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. His yeah, I mean, expression is new kid on the street. This movie is fascinating because there's like a, a real sweetness to it that isn't like cloying or melodramatic, like among the main characters, like, like Dirk is like so polite until like cocaine and Todd Parker into the equation, you know, like everyone in the, like this little, you know, makeshift family is like really sweet and nice to each other, of course, until they have their big falling out. Um, and it's it, even though they're like surrounded by like this like complete sleaze of an industry, you know, like it's it's hilarious. And, the, you know, the, a lot of the comedy is kind of poking fun at their like obliviousness to everything. But it is at its core, like, I don't know, it's got a lot of heart in it and not in like a sappy way at all, like a, yeah. kind of a sincere way. Well, there's a moment that is so universal and so sad that happens like 15 minutes in the movie that I think buys you acceptance of Dirk even through his most monstrous activities when his mom is like being horrible yeah. to him yeah. what, what all well, he's just crying out please don't be mean uh, yeah to please me. don't be mean to me yeah I mean and I, I like, think that's really important because Dirk is like a real shit later in the movie but like yeah. you're still rooting for him just because you saw that he's just he's just a it. real simple kid with a giant fucking dick you know who's like a nice mm-hmm. guy and you know cocaine and Todd Parker turn him evil and his mom sucked well, and and it's fitting, of course, that it's his other mother who gets him hooked on the coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the mother seven, for all those who need love. Yeah, and number seven. I want to say all things, little Bill, but I am still utterly fascinated by the moment ten minutes in the movie where little Bill comes home and finds out his wife is cheating on him without remorse or shame. I just love the the little details where he like throws his keys on top of the TV and they fall off, so he has to bend down and pick them up. And it's all one shot and it's like no they like was that planned was it always be supposed to be you're gonna throw your keys and they fall so you have to bend over or is that just like they let it happen in the moment and they're like that's so sad we're keeping it in well he's got this great against 70s era like altman clute like kind of coverage where it's like the camera's here and i want to move that's what except when i want to move the camera i don't want to move the camera at all um it's just the the comedy that uh, William H. Macy, I'm not really a shameless guy because it doesn't seem like fun to me, but uh, 
that I don't, I don't feel like he's ever matched before with the guys like, you want to shut the door? Do I want to shut the door? Do I want to shut my the wife, door? you asshole. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then she almost gets kind with the, uh, mm-hmm. get out, go sleep on the couch. <laughs> uh, number six. So you want five or 10? Uh, which which part uh, at the end? Uh, the first one. The, the first, first one. one. Yeah. The first one. Uh, that fucking blew my mind the first time I watched this movie. Uh, number five, because it's so powerful, the New Year's Eve party, but especially how it ends. Uh, number four, the young stud saying, oh, this is twice in two days and chicks OD'd on me. And the girl, oh, I think you better get some new shit, huh? <laughs> the little like ding when he like smiles. Yeah. Uh, All this fucking conversation. Yeah. Number three, of course, is I like simple pleasures in life, like butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. Uh, call me crazy and call me pervert. Yeah. Number two, everything to do with Dirk and Reed's music career. Feel, 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 feel my heat. Feel my heat. I think we should repeat that. Yeah. Um, and last, of course, I want to say Jesse's girl, but I think you know that it's that's Cosmo. He's Chinese. <laughs> That scene is absolutely incredible. Um, uh, I was so thrilled watching No Way Home, knowing that we were going to do this movie and like touch him with Alfred Molina again. <laughs> Guy's name's Ray Hot Jackson. You know, Alfred Molina's played Perot. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. What, like on stage or something? No, like in a horrible TV movie set hmm. in modern day. No mustache. Are we going to see Death on the Nile? Oh. <sighs> We have to, though I'm dreading it. Do you think they're like, how are they going to pick up the weird stinger at the end of Murder on the Orient Express? Or like, if we have a telegram, sir, from the Nile. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but it's fascinating that, that they dragged Daisy Ridley's boyfriend along with him. Oh, is he in it? He's the sidekick. I mean, good for him, I guess. I think they might be married now. Oh, good for him. Got that rock on her finger, you know. I mean, like, I love Daisy Ridley. I love her version of, of Ray. I'm so curious about the multiverse and what Jessica Henwick's Ray would look like. It'd be interesting. It'd be really interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah. So my first note in the general talk is just me reading and shocked at how many of the little details come out of real people's life stories. And some of those people are in the movie, like the whole Amber waves custodial battle situation. Mm-hmm. The real life actress who had to deal with that plays the judge. In that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that kind of stuff is interesting to know after the fact, but to me, it's, it's what makes this movie is just the attention to detail in the scenes themselves. You have these, you know, just even from the first opening shot, it's a super long take. We're going like across the street and into a club and like the music is perfect. Like this is like, what a song, you know, to make you want to get freaky deaky to you to open your movie. Uh, best of my love by the emotions here like you're you're just in like such a good vibe you're going inside it kind of climaxes right when you hit the dance floor it's it's just so much fun and it just you, you instantly feel like you're in this era well in this movie is almost at odds of itself with the needle drops and the michael penn score jack jackie jack jackie jack yeah why is there like a minute long black screen with like the big top theme <laughs> yeah i don't know sure whatever uh, Thanks for backing what, us up, by the way. <laughs> what is the what is the dynamic between Jack and Amber? They're not dating. 
I mean, I I sense that they definitely are fucking like occasionally. Right, right. But like, but she's also a porn star. Bedroom. Yeah, no, they probably have separate bedrooms. But yeah. they're they're definitely like the mother and father of the family. For sure, know? for sure. Uh, I mean, and, and again, you can be, I think, pro sex worker, and that these are human beings, and also recognize that the sex industry is highly exploitive, or especially the porn industry. Um, and there's this, you know, we're not endorsing certain attitudes here, but just there's little things in the comedy of, of the times in this world where Luis or Maurice is like, not for nothing, but you are the sexiest bitch in here. And she's like, such, <laughs> such a, a charmer. charmer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. This movie has like a weirdly sweet take on the porn industry, even though it's like it's so sleazy around them. It's like their little unit. It's like yeah. what a happy little unit they have, you know? <laughs> We might be based on John Holmes, but we're not John Holmes. Yeah. If only yeah. they hadn't had to switch the videotape. Uh, Floyd Gondoli, man. Uh, yeah. Luis is ready for his close up, Mr. DeVille. I mean, this this whole opening shot is just incredible. We're going all over this nightclub. And this is like, this is his second movie, PTA. And he's like, there are directors who won Oscars who couldn't do this. Like, they just flat out could not pull this off. Yeah. Well, and and I've seen Heart 8 slash Sydney. Mm-hmm. There's no indication in that movie that he had this in him. Because um, that's a, that movie feels like a thousand other Miramax 90s movies that you saw. But yeah, this just, I love this just long shot that just introduces us all to our major players like Reed, Becky Barnett, Buck Swope. Um, John C. Riley is so fucking funny in this movie. And yeah. it's like, it's, I remember thinking at the time, like, this is the most like hilarious role I've ever seen, but it still took like a decade for Hollywood to figure out that they should put John C. Riley in comedies. Yeah. Like it just didn't happen. Like you're just expecting that guy to like be in every comedy after this. He's so funny. Um, well, and, and the way that they fucking, uh, um, like made him like tofu or it's like, we have to rub him against Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and he can get Will Ferrell esque roles. Yeah. Yeah. I thought was pretty sad. Um, there's a rubber girl who's just rubbing herself because she has to pee. What's going on down there? I got to pee. Then go. Yeah. Um, you got Don Cheadle as Buck Swope, the cowboy look. I love the arc of him, like finding his look. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so satisfying at the end of the movie when he's like, he's found this like kind of like tracksuit, like hip hop look. You're just like, yes, you got yeah. there, man. You found your yeah. place. Uh, and everyone, everyone is... <laughs> Or just like check it out, Maurice Cowboy, and Maurice is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Maurice is like the most supportive of mm-hmm. everyone. Where would Though you I dig? Feel like, I feel like Becky Barnett gives him the the truth that he needs to hear. She's trying to be his friend, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is what your boss is trying to tell you too. Yeah, we takes it right past Eddie. Um, well, and Jack, I, like Jack Horner, just he just senses. That there is just like a monster trouser snake lurking in this guy's jeans. He just can he can feel it somehow. Well, also, you look at that shot. There are stars all around Eddie. Mm-hmm. He's a big, bright, <laughs> shining star. Uh, and then little Bill just struts in the frame. <laughs> right as the the, uh, the soundtrack changes too, it's perfect. Like, uh, there's so many like compelling things about every inflection that William H Macy uses in the movie. But also, I know they wanted uh, uh, Beatty at times. As I think Reynolds Jack Horner. Yeah, Reynolds has to do this. Because, Reynolds is the perfect amount of sleaze. Yeah, for sure. But like the uh, just little inflections of uh, "Are we still on for the day after tomorrow?" More like the day, day after, after the, the day, day after, after tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> well, you get such an immediate picture through characterization of the little Bill character, where he's like he's in this nightclub, 
everyone's boogieing down, you know, or like having drinks and he's just like, wants to talk about the film, you know, it's just like, well, he's all business. Cause it's like, it's like, that's how he like, like holds his brain together. I think in this world is he's just like all about the job. Well, this is a work function for him. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is just like laying their hair down. I mean, but at the, some I, point, presumably little bill like married one of the porn stars that he worked with. Right. Like that seems to've been what must've happened at some point in the past. Well, I mean, if, if you take that Nina Hartley being Nina Hartley is also in this world a former porn star. I don't know. How else is he? I, like, I feel like the only way he'd be marrying someone is if they were a porn star. Like, like, cause like what else does he have going for him? I guess, you know? Well, I, I just, I miss this kind of storytelling where it's like mm-hmm. these characters, they all work together. And then when they, when they're on their off hours, they're all going to hang out together. At the Jack, same come nightclub. on. I got to call Rocky, Scotty, Kurt. I got to call those guys. Jack Horner's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to see a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, Do we even have a script? <laughs> well, he's he's kind of the script boy, right? Like, like the script supervisor? Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. that and more. He's like an AD, it seems like, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the one who actually calls Jack's action mm-hmm. on, on the set. Uh, what's this? Uh, who's Dirk Diggler? Oh, it's a new guy. Oh, good name. <laughs> love it so much i just tell me these actors had more fun other than burt reynolds had yeah more fun burt reynolds movie. didn't seem like he had a good time and the, the heather graham seemingly doesn't like to talk about this movie well they made her do her nudes in her first day i kind of i can see where that's a weird you know i i, I saw one of the indb trivia oh, yeah. things too said that like she didn't get much after this for like a year or so i'm, I'm sure yeah. that it was this would mark you mm-hmm. i mean her character is is it's a very interesting dramatic arc. It's the least fun of yeah. any of the main. Yeah, families. it's not not a particularly happy story. I mean, Amber Ways isn't particularly fun either. <laughs> no, but at um, least she gets to have fun with with an ensemble. But the, like the concept of Roller Girl, you're like, oh yeah, it's a porn star who never takes her like skates off, and it just feels like something that would have existed in the 70s. You know? Yeah. Well, and and her credited name is Roller Girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like Jack, when the guy says brandy, she almost seems like like that's a foreign word. What an asshole that guy was. Oh, seriously. This is a hole in the wall, buddy. Yeah. Uh so Jack goes to like the, the back room at the club here where Eddie Adams is washing dishes and he's talking to him, like, why do you take a bus, you know, to work at this shitty nightclub when you could work at a different one? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want five or ten? You know, it's ten if you just want if you want to watch me watch, watch me jack off. It's five if you just want to see it. You've already done this? Oh, yeah, a couple times tonight. And you can do it again if you want to, oh, yeah. if you got 10 bucks. And the way he's like, why don't you go back to the table with us? No, I couldn't do this Maurice. It's like. I'm, he's so polite in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I make uh, but, adult films, exotic, exotic pictures. pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's a fascinating seduction scene here that's not necessarily homoerotic. I just got a feeling underneath those jeans, something wonderful just waiting to come out. 17 year old piece of gold. Yeah. I like how Jack's crew is the ones who close this place down. You get the impression that they come here like at least like two nights a week, maybe. Maybe more than that. Probably not every night, but like, like I since this is one of those nightclubs that isn't open every night, like maybe they're closed like Mondays and Tuesdays or something like that, you know, but like, mm-hmm. These guys are here a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. they go to other nightclubs. I think they just go Which to this Which is why one. 
at home, Jack wants his stereo system to be mellow. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he takes everyone home. <laughs> it's it's uh, good night to Amber. Is good night, honey tits. Sleep beautiful. Um. Yeah, like just lots of pans, lots of moving around the locations. We see Jack's place. I like, love this house, by the way. Jack's house. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's huge. Classic kind of one-story palace there, ranch style home. But yeah, like we're gonna see a lot of just the details of locations, a lot of the ambience, a lot of the details, the set dressing, the cocaine. Here, yeah, here, but especially when we get to Eddie's room. Um, I was just yeah, a lot of my name. Yeah, a lot of quick cuts, the little things, making drinks, doing coke. Uh, before Amber calling her ex, trying to talk to her child, you get like uh, a like the only point in the movie this comes out. I don't know if Julianne Moore is like from Brooklyn or something, but like like this New York accent comes out out of nowhere, and just this one scene, she's like, "I'll take you to court." Yeah, and then little Bill comes home. <laughs> Bill. The the recurring refrain of what "The fuck are you doing? What the fuck does it look like I'm doing?" just throws the keys they fall he picks them up and then he kind of like takes his shoes off and he's like he's out of frame and just like kind of kicking his shoes over into the hall and then you're like well, you, you hear you, the squeaking you know this house you know that there's like the little steps that go mm-hmm. down from there into like a sunken living room or something yeah, yeah but yeah when he leaves the room and she's like don't stop big stud <laughs> uh and eddie yeah, adams so we, we get the great pan around his room this is such a classic like 70s teenage boy room Got like cars, kung fu, Bruce Lee, picture the moon, guitar, Serpico, Farrah Fawcett, Serpico, Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, it's all there. Karate in the mirror. Um, and then, of course, this almost spinal tap cucumber in his pants <laughs> on this music that plays occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> like this weird, like, like, I don't know. They, they just bring that out occasionally. It's also hilarious. Yeah, doing his little guitar moves. And then we get Buck Swope at like his kind of Radio Shack esque job. Oh, well, I think you need all that bass. I think. Oh, before that, there's the, the scene with Eddie and his parents in the morning, where like the dad comes up to kiss the mom, and she's like, "Jesus, shave first if you're gonna do that." You're like, Oof. "Fun family." Apparently, this is PTA's home dynamic. Yeah, this is uh, man. I, I feel like we've watched this movie with friends who like maybe didn't have a great relationship with their mother and they all get yeah. quiet during these scenes because yeah, they're yeah. brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then oh, just the way Buck Swope describes to this guy, you hear that bass, it kicks, it turns, curls up your belly, makes you want a freaky deaky. Just the cheesy like country Western song. If it's on the guy's just like immediately like, all right, yeah, I'm out of here. Also, this guy is the original Dirk Diggler. Was he? Was yeah. he in like a Buffy episode or something? He looked familiar uh, to me. No, we got a Buffy guy later on. Okay. We got a big Buffy guy later yeah, on. Yeah, he gets buckets chewed out from his boss because he's like, I thought you'd, you know, bring chicks in here. And you have, but like, you can't screw up again. Like, play some better music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Roller Girl in her high school final. Uh, still wearing her roller skates. <sighs> Brandy. Yeah. And like the the like the asshole guy like mouthing like blowjob noises to her. Just saying I love sucking cock to her. Mm-hmm. And she, so she skates like, on out of that. I'm out of here. I mean, it seems like it's sort of implied that maybe she can't read. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, Brandy's definitely having some uh trepidation about taking this test. Mm-hmm. Um I wouldn't be shocked if some literacy issues were at play in, in various characters in this movie. 
But yeah, so meanwhile, Dirk has to check on his girl, Cheryl Ann, who's a real horse girl. Definitely, yeah. He get the shots of like the medals and shit. She likes a good pouncing. Mm-hmm. Also, they are. This is Don't the make me pounce you, Cheryl Lynn. But they are pouncing to afternoon delight. <laughs> I remember this was a scene. I remember our, our journalism teacher had gone to see this movie and was like, it was amazing. You could tell he wanted to talk about it with us, but it's like probably not appropriate. I mean, even then it wasn't appropriate. Now it would definitely not be appropriate, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it's just like some of the shit they say in this movie is just like, 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 you know, can't believe they said that in a movie, you know? And the example he gave was when she's like, your cock is so beautiful. Yeah. Everyone was blessed with one special thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a star, a big, bright, shining star. So we go back to Maurice's nightclub to Jack whispering a plan at the roller girl's ear. And she skates in that back room. <laughs> the plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the camera following like down on the floor, like, you know, at a roller skates there. It's a beautiful shot. Uh, hmm. It's almost like uh, it's almost like a fucking um, Orson Welles shot. Honestly, well, just, and getting this shot and getting her to like skid to a stop on her like you know front toe stopper just right, like it's all really good. Yeah, takes him to the walk-in, absorbs his pants, and we see her reaction to his size and the big gulp that she's about to suck on his dick. <laughs> well, and the, it has like the way it's shot. It's just like POV of her like undoing the zipper. You know, like it's it's very like femme gaze in that moment there. It's it's interesting the way there's like you don't realize it till most of the way through the movie, but they've been teasing this monster that lurks in his genes through the whole movie without ever showing it to you until the very end. And then isn't Thomas Jane later in a movie or in a show called Hung or something yeah. like that where he has a huge dick? I think that's the premise, yeah. Um yeah, there's like a naive sweetness in this movie that's just quaint, adorable in a perverse way. When Jack and company pick up Eddie on the side of the road and Roller Girl's like, hey, do you remember me from a couple hours ago? Well, Jack's like, you want to ride? He's like, no, I'm cool. She's like, you remember me when I sucked your dick a couple hours ago? Get and in Amber's the car. Just like, yeah. Amber's like, come with us, sweetie. <laughs> it's like the sweetest, like, you know, seduction by, you know, the, the bad element you could ever see in a movie. I'm just saying talent acquisition in the 70s porn scene seems pretty hit and miss. How does Jack know? He just knows. How many 17-year-olds are you just driving up to and seeing if they've got what it takes? So I love that this is this is the 90s thing of it all. There's like Jack and crew take Eddie to a diner where Jack has to talk about his philosophy and film production. How much it costs. Yeah. <laughs> and then at one point, Amber Waze is just like, here he goes. It is have my seen- dream. It is my vision. Well, just to, have you seen Jack's house? You know he just met him. But he's just like, oh, he will. Yeah, like, but how do you keep them in the theater after they've come with beauty and with acting? When they spurt out that joy juice, they just got to set it in because they have to know how the story ends. Goddamn visionary, this Jack Horner. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, so desensitized so- to this movie because I've seen it like 10,000 times. Like, I have no idea if what we're saying right now is just like kind of shocking and scandalizing to people who normally no. listen to podcasts. If you've never seen this movie before, what are you doing listening to this? Yeah. Go see also, it. extra shocking, when they go back to Jack's house, they offer Eddie a fresca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they so Roller Girl and Eddie are going to fuck. She needs to put her theme song on first. Oh, she's like, <laughs> why don't you go over there next city? Are we going to fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Let me put my theme song on first. Yeah. And he's like, you take your skates off? She's like, I don't take my skates off. Don't fucking come at me. And this is the fatherly way that he says, even at her tits, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to me that Burt Reynolds hated this movie because he's like so perfect in the role. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I, I wonder like what were they fighting about on set constantly, you know? Yeah. But so Jack then presumably watches them like it's an academic yeah. study. Yeah, he just watches them as a, a connoisseur of the form. Yeah. Uh, so then Eddie goes home and has the blow up of his mother who's just been waiting for him to come home. God, she's so awful. She's she's mad about him fucking Cheryl and calls him stupid. <laughs> calls Cheryl a little whore. Yeah. But just the I know you're the, not the only guy she sees. And she's like, why would you say that? The crying and just repeatedly saying, please just don't be mean to me. You're and too Col- stupid. Yeah. Oh, and then her whole like, I'm not even being mean to you, idiot. That's what you don't understand. And this is the cold bloodedness of if you leave here, you leave with nothing. Well, and the way it cuts to the dad, like in the other room, just kind of like saying nothing. It's like, I feel like you sense that like, there's no way he'll ever like, you know, go against his wife. But like, right. he, at the same time, he doesn't seem to really agree with this, you know? Oh, he feels it. Yeah, he, yeah. he absolutely feels it. Um, so Eddie goes back to Jack's, which I kept wondering, was he just up all night, like taking buses, the hour and a half bus ride back to Jack's house? Probably, but, yeah. But then we get the, the most brilliant needle drop in this movie, which is Three Dog Nights, Mama Told Me Not to Come. I mean, brilliant. what is the brilliant. best needle drop in this movie? That is it's a, this. No, it's, it's, it's for... It's, for it's for the Jesse's placement, girl. yes, it's great. That's a great sequence. But I mean, for the placement and the 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 joke, it's it's this. Um, but yeah, just with the line, this is the greatest party that ever could be. Um, yeah. So first, Jack and just Eddie to Buck and Becky. Um, <laughs> Reed Bucky says he's one hell of an actor. One hell of an actor. <laughs> uh, the one actor that we don't see in a sex scene, right? I don't believe we do now, unless it's like far in the background. It's definitely not like featured. Yeah. I don't ask me why, but I've been watching the new Sex and the City show, and it's fascinating. Wow. Nicole Nicole wow. Ari Parker is in that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's. So I'm like, it's like, wow, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then we meet Reed Reed Rothschild. This whole scene is amazing. It's all in one shot. It's just making the margarita. People tell me I like a console. It's so fucking funny. Two, four, whatever. Just the the stealing the sip of tequila. There's no reason for him to do that. It's so fucking perfect. Well, the way he like he turns on the blender after he says what he squats. And yeah. so like Eddie asks him, like, what about you? And he's like, huh? What? Turns it off. What about you? <laughs> and then uh, one of my favorite songs from the soundtrack, Spill the Wine, as the colonel arrives. The fucking grunts as the colonel gets out of the limo. Yeah, yeah, the weird grunts. Also, the roller girl is like always around with her Polaroid camera. She's sort of like the family documentarian, like always yeah. like capturing all these moments. Which is interesting because you would think it'd be Amber in a way. I could see it, but I don't know. It's just I could I could see that being roller girl's purview as well. But then Donna, who looks criminally young in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Do you have way? a coke at this party? Yeah, like. This this she's supposed to be twelve, I think, like in the script. Yeah, when she gets out of that limo, you're uncomfortable. Yeah, as you should be. Shy as Uh, a butterfly. Yeah, so I just I love the driver just walking to the party. (laughs) Yeah, in his suit. And so we just kind of like struts in. Oh, this 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 fucking scene is fantastic because it's like it's almost like Richard Linklater eats your fucking heart out because it's like a character will walk in, lead the camera to a conversation. We'll stay at that conversation until like one member leaves and they will lead the camera to the next conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Buck and Becky are having their talk and she's trying to help them out. And she's just like, my look is just fine. That look is chocolate love. 
What's your look? Yeah. The cowboy is old. You need a new look. Uh, it's just wild that like there was a time in the 70s when like the cowboy was in. Yeah. Ugh. And by the way, everything we're talking about right now from when the uh, like the driver walks in, it's all one shot. Like we yeah. follow him to Buck and then we follow Buck over to Maurice, Maurice. and Amber. And then we follow, uh, I think it's just like a random person. Or no, it's Donna, like over to like doing some coke with the guy. And then like the other girl at the coke table gets up and goes in the water and we go underwater with her. Like it's just like an incredible sequence. Like taking the camera underwater is just like a holy shit moment to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Robert Downey Sr., but yeah, it's it works. Um, also, the 90s film industry really made me think that I was going to get a lot more Louis Guzman. I know he fucking ruled back then. Uh, just the uh, his whole thing is like, I want to send this back to my brothers. And I want to say, look at me and all the beautiful women I've been with. <laughs> so you want me to talk to Jack? Amber, baby, what what are we talking about here? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, so Maurice walks off. We see Donna asking some dude at the table if she can have some coke. Um, <laughs> some girl certainly. in the bikini. <laughs> some girl in the bikini takes us to the pool. Where Reed is trying to like one up jerk when it comes to diving, and the the when Reed does his like backflip, and we just see his face under the water. <laughs> well, he's I mean, like, like do a cannonball, and it's like, no, no, watch this jackknife, and the way Reed's just like, let me show what you did wrong. Yeah, I on this rewatch, if we were doing the power rankings, Reed actually might be my number one. Yeah, Reed is like solid gold in this movie. He has like not a single bad moment in the entire movie. I have I have never appreciated John C. Riley's work in this movie like I have now. He's incredible. Uh, yeah, but Maurice, Maurice again for the second time is trying to be uh, you know, uplifting for Buck. And he's just like, look, here's what I say. Where would, Where you, would dig? you dig? Where would you dig? And then he got the uh, phone call and it's just like, oh, your mom's here. And he's like, oh shit. You know, like yeah. Uh, anyone know a Maggie? And he like goes, looks around. Excuse me. Anyone Maggie here? Nah, sorry, man. He got the wrong number. Well, and just for a movie that has so many one shots and like just following cameras around in a in a way that like Kubrick would have been so jealous of. The movie's brilliant about cuts. Mm-hmm. The way we just then cut to Amber doing coke and we well, know exactly who just Maggie as is. the uh, the kind of chorus of oh what a lonely boy kind of like you know rises mm-hmm. to a climax. It's like her like doing this long ass line of coke. And looking out at Dirk, like right after, like her real son was calling. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Also, like she's gonna fuck the new kid in the street. Yeah. And it's just like this sort of attention to detail. Like I feel like even in Licorice Pizza, you're not getting this. You know, like this, yeah. just like just perfect attention to every little detail. Well, and that's the weird thing too, is because Licorice Pizza is his ninth movie, mm-hmm. and I, I look at this movie and I think, how fucking accomplished are you with this movie? Um, how tight it is mm-hmm. um, even for it being you know a two hour and 13 minute movie but yeah speaking of attention to detail little Bill <laughs> little Bill <laughs> my wife is down there with an ass in her cock which is again he walks up and she's just like laying on a towel getting jackhammered by some guy and it's like and 10 people watch yeah yeah and he's like what the fuck do you, you think you're doing and some guy's like what the fuck does it look like she's doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah little Bill shut up and this movie I have to say uh Go and suck it, David Mamet. This is the best use of Ricky Jay ever. Ricky Jay is incredible. His dryness, you know, where he's just like, first they're talking about, it's such a technical movie about like the fucking film industry, but like Jack wants a minimal thing. Well, very often minimal means a lot more photographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. But I think he just wants less. Are you giving me shit, Kirk? (laughs) 
My fucking wife has an ass in what her the cock in the driveway. Talk about the photography, the fucking film. If you got somewhere to be. And then as little Bill storms off, Kurt goes to watch. He kind of like pauses, like, eh, shrugs, goes to watch. Uh, and then the scene that's so, if you think about what's happening, is so tragic and disgusting, but it's fucking hilarious. The the young stud with the with Donna. Mm-hmm. She's OD'd, blood streaming out of her nose. And it's just played like as pure comedy. Like, oh shit, man, she's not breathing. When the when he like gives the driver the pep talk to go drop her off at the hospital, and the guy gets down and slaps his dude twice. <laughs> and I think it's Jack who's just like back door, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> All this fucking conversation. They're just like towing her body out. And I think this is where we get to introduce Scotty. Hey, is she all right? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Has to get out of the way as they're just like bringing this body of a, you know, most likely dead woman out the back there. Scotty is looking around the party as we hear, I believe in miracles. Where'd you from? Sex. And this is like what? Like the fourth, fifth, just like classic jam on the soundtrack in a row at this point. At this party alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we just iris in right on Eddie as Scotty has reintroduced him. And yet, of course, somehow, even with that, like it never occurred to me that Scotty was like attracted to him until like that scene happens. Like my no, first really? time watching this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Sky's conversation is, of course, cut off by Jack calling Eddie over to meet the colonel. And uh, uh, Eddie's so polite here. It's just like, oh, will you excuse me for a second? <laughs> yeah. Well, just the way the colonel advises the new name, something that makes you happy or has a little pizzazz. <laughs> Jack tells me you got a great big cock. May I see it? <laughs> Just the way his face is frozen in this weird smile afterward. Well, his, his eyebrows kind of raise a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. And then Dirk takes a like, victory jump into the pool, by which we transition from daytime of the party to the nighttime. Um, and then this we looks go like to a re- great hot tub here, man. A little wooden hot tub. For like a 70s hot tub, sure. <laughs> but yeah, as Reed is sharing a poem that he wrote. And the bees won't sting because you love me. <laughs> You see a name like in neon. It's like razor sharp, cuts glass, you know? Yeah. Dirk Diggler. I uh, think yeah, Dirk, heaven has sent you, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> <laughs> so then we're at some fake office space for the set of the new film. I'm fascinated that Jack just films all of his movies in his basement. Yeah, that he has a big enough basement to do it in, too. This must be like, he's got like a whole massive warehouse down there. Well, and presumably there's like dressing rooms in the basement area for Becky to go wash her vagina. Oh, like, she's going upstairs. Is that. she going upstairs? Yeah. Okay. But well, I mean, like, like the way this is shot is so fascinating to me because it starts off this handheld of the set, like as though we're watching the porn. And then it just kind of pans around to show like all the crew and whatnot. Like, right. I don't know. He makes so many like interesting decisions that like work 100% of the time in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah. a cut t- uh, tush, couple tough shadows to deal with. There's shadows in life, baby. What a director. <laughs> but I mean, it's so it's so technical in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think ever deters you. And I and I, I don't know. I guess I'm saying that because I was always interested about that behind the scenes shit. Did this deter other people? Were they? I don't know. Whatever. Enter <laughs> Reed to audition for Amber. They go at it. Becky watches. Uh, Becky goes off to the bathroom to jack off. She gets interrupted by Amber. They go at it for who's Dirk Diggler. That's a new guy. Good looking kid. A different club. Good name. Yeah. I just the the profit margin must be great. If you can film these at your own home. Yeah, you don't have to rent any space. And and the plot is we're auditioning for a porno. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> what a conceit. Yeah. Um, just this awful suit and hair that Dirk has in this first scene. Just like, man, the 70s were brutal. Like, like whenever like somebody's like kind of like dressed up and trying to be classy in this, like uh, like Amber Way's husband at like the court thing, like the yeah. hair is so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just John Doe's actual hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Scotty comes to get him. Um, they had that kind of Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. You know, you look really good, really the way, sexy. The way he's always kind of biting on his uh, his pen there and the clipboard, like oral fixation. Uh, you can find uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's one scene in Heart Eight on YouTube. It's fascinating to watch him play that character and then to imagine him getting this script <laughs> from P.T. Anderson. But I want to say, wasn't it like uh, the story of Magnolia was he was inspired to write that role for him because Philip Seymour Hoffman was like sleeping on his couch at that point. I don't remember. And he's just like, all right, the deal is you can sleep on my couch, but I write a role for you and you play whatever I want to play. <laughs> uh but yeah reed is also just chilling on the set and drinking a beer while he watches in like boxer shorts yeah it's great <laughs> he's just hanging out but yeah so i mean obviously it's 70s porn so this is no one's ever heard of intimacy coordinators but like i love that eddie's very respectful of amber like wants to make sure she's comfortable you know and also it's okay if i make, make it really look sexy, sexy. Yeah. yeah and it's just like this weird kind of you know dynamic between them where it's like she's so motherly to him and yet they're about to have sex. <laughs> right. Well, and I think I, this is the detail we never really think about with like found families is part of it is your found family accepts the identity that you want or that, that you are, that you see yourself as. Um, so when he takes Eddie, Jack aside, he's like, Jack, can you call me Dirk from now on? And he's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, they apologize. Like, sorry about that. He's like, no, it's fine. You know, like, yeah. like Jack, like totally understands. Like, yes, you're Dirk Diggler now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as little Bill gives him the final thing, is like, if you forget your line, call for it, but do not stop. Do not do stop. Not stop. <laughs> he's so all business through the whole movie. It's great. Yeah, it must. He's carrying the whole fucking weight of this production mm-hmm. on his shoulders. So yeah, the the plot is that he's come back from the Marines and he's auditioning for porn. I guess so. Yeah, I uh, think you have the job. There's something I need to be certain well, of. Her her dialogue Mr. is. This is a gigantic cock. Her dialogue is fucking hilarious. You may or may not know this is an important film for me. If it's not a hit, I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment. My landlord's a real jerk. <laughs> when he, uh, when she, when, yeah, when she has one thing she needs to check on to be sure, like the way it like cuts to everyone watching, they're like tilting their head and like zooming out with the camera. <laughs> well, Becky and Reed have to like fucking tilt their head. Yeah, a little Bill and Sky look a little uncomfortable. Scotty yeah. is just like 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 having like a panic attack yeah yeah the only person doesn't look impressed is rusty does little bill do we get a reaction from him oh he looks uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah then a lot of just like almost bergman-esque like jumping inside ricky j's cameras we see like film running yeah Um, as he's zooming out there and seeing it played upside down and then like see the they run out of film at some point so they have to switch angles yeah gotta change Dirk bags. Ass, do it quickly Dirk asks Amber if it feels good um, I guess it's the finish line Amber gives him permission to come inside of her and when it's done Jack is just like wonderful and little Bill's just like we need a come shot and he's like can we use uh, stock footage <laughs> Jack's just like it won't match Jack I can do it again if you'd like and there's like oh my god what a talent well also this is the point too where I think Reed 
is no longer trying to like one up this bro. I mean, he just jumps up and yeah. he's like, rock and roll. Doesn't he fuck like a champ? <laughs> and then uh, we get this great montage. This montage here is the first paper I wrote in film school is about this montage here that starts with the uh, right at the end of uh, I can film it again, Jack, um, through all like the dancing and everything. It's 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 a masterpiece of a montage. Are those lizard? No, they're Italian. I think it's like imported Italian nylon. Oh, just the <laughs> the how many times have I quoted the uh it's funny you say yeah, that because we, we should, should be in a band. band. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Scotty just never quite fit it fits in, you know, he's buying the same clothes, but well just the fucking movement when he comes out having tried on the same shirt, it doesn't fit the same. Mm-hmm. It's like adorable in this like sad Winnie the Pooh kind of way. Well, and then in the next shot, when they're at the club and the colonel's trying to introduce Scotty to uh, Jamie Lynn here, and he's like, Scotty, say hello to Jamie Lynn. Scotty, say Scotty, Scotty, Jamie Lynn. And it's like, he's just not interested at all. It's like, oh, yeah. right. Uh, Becky Barnett meets Raymond at the party. He's a Leo. Uh, Pisces. Pisces. I, I can't deal with no Pisces. I don't know anything about astrology other than that you're supposed to watch out for Geminis. Yeah, you got to watch out for them Geminis. You got to watch out for them Geminis. Uh, um, Boogie Shoes, I believe, is playing on the soundtrack at this point as... Dirk's dancing with the roller oh. girl. Like it's, oh. just, it's great. Tell me you had the dialogue for this uh, Reed and Buck scene. Oh, uh, I didn't write it down or anything. <laughs> Doesn't it make Does- you nervous dealing with all those evil forces? Horses? What? No, the evil forces. Evil, evil. man. No, it's not evil. It's an illusion. It's an, an illusion. illusion. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's confusing. It's confusing. <laughs> yes. Uh, like you said, uh, John C. Riley, he shoots, he does not miss in this movie. And they're just like showing you like what a what a, a tremendous talent Dirk Diggler is. He's like, Jack, if you just roller girl, if you flip over, we can go right into doggy style. And it's just like, all right, let's shoot it. Do you want me to use a Spanish accent? Well, then the joke comes after where we see the marquee and this movie is finished and it's the Spanish pantalones. The best part of that joke is that there is like a couple like running hand in hand into the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's this like carefree, like 70s moment of like, we're going to the porn theater. Well, in the 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 detail of like everyone reading or coming in on the voiceover mm-hmm. of this review of Diggler delivers a performance worth a thousand hard ons. Yeah, it's like they're all reading about Dirk. You know, they're it's like about themselves, but like related to Dirk in some way and how great Dirk is. And then his success will only grow and grow and grow and grow and go. Yeah. And then uh we get to the dance floor at this monta- uh, montage with the coordinated dance sequence between the main class cast, including Maurice. As Reese just dance like sequence slides rules, in. dude. Yeah. Well, just the, the bit where Reed comes in besides Dirk is... Yeah, the, it's like, it's an amazing dance sequence. And then, like, the camera moves in at the climax of the song. And it's, like, becomes, like, a little duo between Reed and Dirk. And then, yeah. like, Roller Girl's in there. Like, it's such a good dance sequence. Like, probably one of the best dance sequences in, like, the past 25 years, I would say. And again, like I said, he's he's not doing a ton of original things. Like, these are, like, techniques you've seen before. And yet... They feel so fresh and exciting. And I, and I think that's kind of P.T. Anderson's strength as a filmmaker, which was kind of lacking from Licorice Pizza. It didn't feel new and fresh. Yeah, uh, it just it felt a little tossed off, I would say. It felt like I was watching, I don't know, like an old movie from a director that I know. Mm-hmm. And I had just never seen this movie by them before. It's it's like us doing this podcast. You know, we've we've seen better days. 
You really suck <laughs> you the energy out of there. there. <laughs> you suck the energy out of this room, and we haven't even gotten to the New Year's Eve party yet. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me check my watch. Three, two, one. <laughs> no, see, if we were smart about it, we would have timed it that New Year's Eve would have, or midnight would have happened when little Bill shoots himself. That's true. Yeah, let's just say we did, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so then we're in the scene where they're riding in the back of the van to go to Vegas for the AVN Awards, and they're pitching uh, Jack on this on their new film. And this is a bizarre thing. Oh, is that like what that they're doing? They're going to the AVN Awards? I never made that yeah, connection. Not- I was just like, they're just like driving in a van in the middle of the desert. Sure, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, they're going to Vegas. Uh, and it's so weird here because he's like, he's John Holmes, but he's also in the universe where he's like the anti-John Holmes. And he's like, I just don't like what the Johnny Wad character is doing, how he treats women. That's not right. It's not cool. It's not sexy like it should be, Jack. It's not sexy like it should be, Jack. That's another line we said to each other a million times. Yeah. And then you know, the other line we've, we've said a million times is when Jack says, when we get back, let's set the typewriter and see what see comes, what comes out. out. <laughs> These characters had names. Brock Landers. His partner's name, Chess Rockwell. Those are great names. It's like PTA wasn't satisfied enough with Dirk Diggler. He's like, I'm going to one up myself and yeah. go for the new awesome porn name, Brock Landers. So we find out this is the second annual adult film awards where he's won. Dirk Diggler's won best newcomer, best cock and best actor. Mm-hmm. Got the, the trio. I mean, take that Tom Hanks. Yeah. Little Bill's there too, along with his wife. We get introduced to uh, Jesse St. Vincent here. Yeah. It's fascinating that after this, she gets like pulled into the fold, into the family. I've seen all the movies and I can't wait to work with them. I mean, like, I guess presumably what they're saying is that Jack Horner just works with the same actors over and over again. Seemingly he has like a stable of actors. Yeah. And, like a and troop. Jesse St. Vincent becomes part of it. Yeah. Uh, something about a porn troop scene sounds funny to me. Yeah. But so Dirk's seven speech was just, I don't know what to say. All I can say is that I promise to keep rocking and rolling. These movies, they could help people. <laughs> He's like so sincere. Yeah. Uh, so then 1978, uh, they're filming a scene of Melora Walters with Jesse St. Vincent. Um, Maurice is the bartender in the scene. This is the first. I love uh, the great Brock bad acting. Yeah. Oh, they all get so fucking robotic. <laughs> Some people told me that the food here is pretty good. Good. It's not good. It's probably the best in all the eat of all on Sanchez. It's excellent. I certainly hope so. I could die of starvation before I get something in my mouth. <laughs> so yeah, then, they cut to the cut porn to scene. Yeah, like, like I'm in bed and she presumably sings this cock and she's like, oh, it's true. You are Brock Landers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like dumb, but kind of awesome. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like you set up that kind of uh, dramatic tension in your porn movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then you get the great intro here with uh, angels live in this town. The credit sequence for this movie looks amazing. I kind of would want to watch this. Mm-hmm. Does she read in red pants and a, and a no shirt, like no shirt vest combo? And nunchucks. Yeah. yeah. And the way they like, whenever they like punch somebody out, they like hold it, like Reed will like hold his hand out for the high five. It's hilarious. Yeah. Dirk's outfit is like urban camouflage denim. Yeah. It's like a, like a camo Canadian tuxedo there. <laughs> Angels uh, live in my town. So then we see Dirk's place at another party. He's got a new couch. He has his initials on his curtains. You got Reed doing the magic trick with the champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking of my name. Also, we see that uh, Jesse's trying to forge a connection of Dirk. She's painted him two hideous portraits. I mean, she's a painter. That's what she does, you know? 
Yeah. She has her they artistic are, pursuits. They are both horrible. And then he's, he's giving Amber the tour because Amber, for the first time, pulls him away from Jesse. And he's like giving her the tour. And he's like, let me show you my dojo. So are, are you proposing that perhaps like Amber is somehow preventing some sort of sliding doors type situation where you're like uh, Dirk ends up with Jesse St. Vincent instead of Buck? Yes. Interesting. I mean, it does happen a couple times. Yeah. The level of hurt than one time on mm-hmm. Jesse's face. I mean, Buck Soap's a great guy, but he's clearly was not her first. He wasn't plan A for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's a fascinating materialistic view in this movie. And then he shows her the it's orange. Got that karate look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see the orange Corvette, just like the poster in his teenage room. All right. Teenage room. He's still a teenager. They go off uh, for a ride. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? Scene. You're not even worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Gave you a like chance. A, yeah. They're like roughing up Maurice as Chico in another Brock Landers movie. And I love this. Uh, Do you want to fuck with Raphael and Ringo? That's your business. But you don't fuck with Chess and Brock. And then uh, another classic line we've been telling each other for 20 years. Well, we yeah. almost saw the case. At least the women are safe. <laughs> Let's get some of that Saturday Night Beaver. They <laughs> high five. <laughs> it's a real film, Jack. Just Jack's. It's the best work is, we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely something me and you say to each other whenever we finish a draft of anything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how many how many fucking horrible movies have we watched where we said it's a real film, Jack? Feels good. This is the film I want them to remember me by. Uh, then we're at the fourth annual porn awards, where this time Dirk just goes up to get his uh, his award. He just says. Thank you. See, to me, the ultimate flex would always be if you won an Oscar, you go up there and you give Dirk's first speech the first time you win. And then if you win again, you just go up and say thank you. Yeah. And then it's a New Year's Eve party as Roller Girl skates past the banner that says goodbye 70s, hello 80s. Takes a photo of it because that's that's what she does. She documents. Uh, Uh, This is where we're introduced to, uh, is it Jerome here? Regional manager of Pet Boys. Yeah. We were like, I don't think it's in this, but like in deleted scenes, he turns out to be a real piece of shit. And dies, I think, too. Yeah, I can't remember how he dies. Was he in a car accident or something like that? But yeah, or, like, doesn't a she lot like more. murder him or something? Like, does Becky kill him? Because I, I think he's abusive. Yeah, he's like beating her. Yeah, because he like can't accept that she's a porn actor. Well, because yeah, after the after the wedding, they disappeared at Bakersfield. As far as we <laughs> know, the, you guys, movie. we're losing these two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he sells her on this line about how all you need is love, and then. Mm. Fucking Floyd Gondoli, baby. He enters the movie. Oh, yeah. <sighs> me boys. Me girls. <laughs> Just fucking Philip Baker on this powder blue suit. And then, yeah, again, we have Jesse talking to Dirk here. Yeah. Uh, and then Amber comes and steals him away. And Jesse's yeah. just kind of like, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I mean, we really, we really linger on how sad she is, which I mm. feel like it's this shot where he has to think like, yeah. Magnolia. Magnolia. Because mm-hmm. she anchors that whole movie. Um, but yeah, Jesse sees Buck, who looks miserable in his Rick James getup. <laughs> his new look that he's not happy with. It's pretty original. But there's the the brilliance, the holy crap brilliance of Don Cheadle of 20 seconds where he just sits there looking so inwardly sad. Mm-hmm. My God, he's incredible. And then you have that er, Todd Parker. Uh, at one point, I think you're with me. I feel like we like went back and forth 
just like replaying the intro of Todd Parker, like probably yeah. 20 times on like yep. the VHS or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just yep. to hear like, there's like the like record scratch, like, like sounded like a car accident in the background as you record like record scratch breaks. Yeah. Squealing. Yeah. And then he just like, he puts his hands up to like bump open the gate with his hips. Yeah. It's an incredible entrance for a character. Amazing party, man. Fucking chicks everywhere. Like full fucking race cams. Uh, Tom Jane has never been better than in this scene. Oh God. And this got him. This got him the bit that's not totally earned in arrest development. <laughs> but Lindsay's just like, can I buy you dinner? And he's like, no, I'm Tom Jane. <laughs> I feel like he's been coasting on this character for 20 years now. Yeah. And Reed is clearly in love with Todd Parker, perhaps <laughs> non-sexually. So he's just like, so you just got off work. I don't dance Sundays. They talk about Dirk's car and how jealous they are. Well, Todd Parker has man. this Whoa. weird like soliloquy about yeah. the car. Yeah. I mean, he is so fucking committed to this ridiculous character. <laughs> what did this look like in the script? Like, <laughs> but yeah, so Buck and Jesse finally talk. He ditches Sunsets the Sunsets are so much better. Yeah. Tells her about his dream to own his own stereo place called Buck, Buck's Super Cool Stereo World. I I the the delivery prices. from Jesse when she's like, that is a fucking great idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 the love she wasn't looking for, but yet she found anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Because meanwhile, Amber Ways has got Dirk in her room and she's like, You're you're my son. Let's do Coke. You know, she hate it when your sex mom gets you hooked on Coke. Mm-hmm. And his his first question is the same thing I ask about a lot of things, which is Do, I do you cool think I look cool it? when I do it? Exactly. That's a question we should always be asking ourselves at all times. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then they have only have the momentous conversation in Jack's office where Floyd's trying to talk to Jack about embracing video and video distribution. I've got those kids out there who are hot fuck action to the max. And Jack throws it back at him. He's a filmmaker. He doesn't work on video with amateurs. And then Floyd's just this. I'm not a complicated man. I like cinema. Particularly, I like to see people fucking on film. But I don't want to Oscar and I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I like simple pleasures like butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. That's just me. That's just something I enjoy. Call me crazy. Call me a pervert. But one of the aggressive- one thing I want to do in this life, and that's to make a dollar and a cent in this business. Butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. One of the greatest lines in cinema history. Oh, and then Jack's retort of, well, if it looks like shit, it sounds like shit, then it must be shit. Like this, like definitely like this scene had an influence on like how I feel about digital video to this day, you know? Well, like I have to wonder what were the Jack Horner slash Floyd Gundoli debates with years ago of VR porn? Oh, you yeah. Know, I don't know. I still jerk off manually. <laughs> the brain is the largest erogenous zone in the body. But I mean... I don't know if the casual viewer is picking up on. There's a whole philosophical real life debate here about the changing of the porn industry. Oh, and it's like, there's this very clear dividing line between the seventies and the eighties where it's like the eighties are like this hard, cruel era. You know, it's everything's on videotape. It's cheap and it's ugly and it's exploitive. Yeah. Well, and then not this like the artistry of the seventies porn, you know, what I want to work into the conversation this year, which is 10 minutes for the new year. We will or will not continue this conversation. Uh, yeah, and then Scotty's like, "Hey, Dirk!" Like, presumably Dirk has just gotten done fucking Amber. Yes, yeah. they're you know they're a mother and son, but they also fuck. Of course. And yeah, he's he's now on coke. Scotty wants to show him his new car. And, and Todd Parker like, works at a club called Party Boy Strip Club. I love Todd's just like, yeah, I got some moves. <laughs> and Scotty's like, well, if you didn't like it, I was gonna take it back. And then he tries to kiss Dirk, and Dirk's just like, Scotty, what the fuck? 
You can kind of see his like uh, Marky Mark accent coming out there a little bit. Yeah. And Please, is, can I kiss you? Or do you want to kiss me? This scene is brutal just because it's like Scotty's just like so pathetic. But it's yeah. like you, you can just see that like he can't stop himself. You know, like it's no. like he's already like driven off the cliff. He's just going to keep going. And then he's just like in the car. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Which is I feel like that's like really like Philip Seymour Hoffman in a nutshell. Like that's what he can bring to the role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so inside we're getting closer to midnight. Jack tells us we have two minutes. Just the little the franticness of little Bill walking around inside trying to find his wife as everyone is going past him to like the main party. And then he finds his wife down a hallway in a room. Well, but before he finds her, there's this great small moment where he's he's walking in looking around. And Buck Swope, you know, Cheadle comes over and he's like, little Bill, champagne? Like, he's like so nice and happy. Like, hey, I got you champagne for, you know, like, it's yeah. just like there's such a happy family. But like, there's this darkness, you know, lurking within that's about to explode here. Yeah. We don't see what's in the room, but we know what's in the room. So he mm-hmm. looks lost. He just goes back out to the car, gets the gun out of the glove box, walks back into the house. That everyone is counting down in that bedroom. And he shoots his wife and her lover, like, you know, ending that long. And then he shoots her on like, I don't know, like four or three, you know, in the countdown. Yeah. Like it's not on one. Yeah. Then he comes back out to the party and smiles at everyone as he puts the gun in his mouth and shoots out the back of his head. And And then just just black title card, 80s. (laughs) It's like, yep. If it wasn't, uh, if it was too subtle until then, this is what we're going for now. This is the harsh and brutal 80s. Well, it's like, this is pretty much the first hour and a half and then the last hours pretty dark mm-hmm. yeah uh, this amazing like documentary like you know like it's like spinal tap-esque about yeah. dirk diggler here directed by amber ways so this is apparently basically the short film that he made as a teenager called this the is dirk like diggler story. the genesis of boogie nights yeah yeah uh so she's interviewing him on the set of brocklander seven oral majesty which by the way is an anagram for james taylor just have to point that out so everyone should call you Oral Majesty from now on? I'm not saying that. I just, of all the things that my name could be an anagram for, I find it fascinating. Mm. Yeah. So then clearly Brock Landers has gotten more John Holmes, more harder. Because well, like, he's just like, lay still, lay still, they're punching the goddamn face. Yeah. Uh, Reed, meanwhile, is another little gem of perfection in this movie. Amazing. When his like fucking smoking a cigarette, wearing a bathrobe, he's just like, the movie's caused violence. And we would just wipe out violence tomorrow. Look, I'll fuck up my own time. I've got an interest. I'm a magician. And, you know, hopefully that will something that I can focus on in the future because you can't fuck forever. Violence is something that plagues us as a society. He's, He's so, so convincing too. You're yeah, just like, yeah. yeah, that's a fucking good point. You know, we could solve violence tomorrow to stop making movies. Yeah. And Dirk tries to convince us he's playing a character. And we get another clip. This time, the Eternal. I'm going to ask you once, and I'm going to ask you nice. Where the fuck is Ringo, you bitch? Brock Landers is a character that I'm playing. Yeah. You have to separate the art from the artist here. The uh, getting thousands upon thousands of letters thanking him, they taught him something. And he's <laughs> I like, say thousands of marriages. The uh, look, this isn't about some getting some girl off. It's about getting your wife off. <laughs> Just the the straight way this plays is so fucking funny. Well, the like pensive keyboard mute moog music. When he's like looking pensively at the LA River. When, yeah, when they cut to him, like like just walking around this like discussing LA River basin, like it's just like the shittiest like B roll you could get. Yeah. It's like this is supposed to be like, I don't know, like showing like a softer side of him or something. 
And then uh, the real crack in the ice when he's interviewed side by side of Jack. And he's just like, yeah, Jack does the finish touch with the camera and editing. And he allows me to like block my own sex scenes. And Jack's like, I don't allow him to block his own sex scenes. (laughs) It's jealousy. It's deceitfulness. It's vindictiveness. It's all that stuff, you know? Oh, my God. It's like, you know, when the Pongo was king and everyone in the Roman Empire is trying to conquer him. (laughs) To all the Uh, critics out there, I know they're going to be reviewing this. I know they're going to try to knock me. I just want you to know. Is it okay if I say it's in the camera, Amber? Okay. I only am who I am because I was born that way. I have a gift. I'm trying to not be selfish about it, but to use it. If you want to knock me for that, that's your problem, okay? Josie will get you nowhere. I'm going to keep rocking on. Yeah. Uh, it's just her- like panned from Dirk like with like one foot up. Like smoking a cigarette, like taking his sunglasses off to this like just hideous, like ugly hill over to like the L.A. River. <laughs> her her final voiceover is he is a man of passion and mystery. He is a man of lust. Directed by Amber Ways. It's and a poem says, to you. This is my poem to you in the editing bay. Mm-hmm. Hey, why don't you take out that uh, shot of Jack saying he won't let me block my own scenes. Also, that stuff about me not being a black belt is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the colonel was in jail. Um, this is rough. Yeah. Well, because at first he's just like, like pitching the colonel's just like, oh, I, you know, I would have sworn she was, you know, like 25. She's going on 10 or whatever, you know. She's 15. Yeah. yeah. She, she has like 20 lines of coke in five minutes. And Jack's like trying to absolve him until it comes out. And I love it's never quite stated, but you know exactly. Yeah. The, the colonel's in the kitty porn. And this is when Jack is just like, yeah, I'm done. He's like, yeah, I'm going to hang up the phone now. Yeah. And just and the colonel, though, again, the sad, disgusting sweetness of it. He's just trying to get Jack to say that he's his friend. Mm-hmm. You're out of and the family, f- buddy. Yeah. And we come from that to Becky and Jerome getting married. Um, it's December 1982. LOL, it's Scotty struggling with that piece of cake. Did uh, Jack, like, give Becky away here? He's the dad, right? Because he's in like one of the photos. He's like seemingly like the best man or something. Yeah. Uh, this is when Reed is shocked to hear that they're moving to Bakersfield. Uh, Dirk shows up late. Rude. Yeah. And this is where he meets uh, Johnny Wad. Johnny Doe. Or Johnny Doe. And he kind of like shines him on. Yeah. Well, there's a great move here. Well, first of all, Johnny Doe doesn't act as if English is his first language. He acts as if Earth is not his home planet. Johnny Doe gives me. Um, do you remember the cowboy in Inner Space? Do you remember Inner Space, the, the movie, the Dennis Quaid movie? No. Yeah. Have you no, not seen that movie? I've seen it when I was a kid. Okay. Well, there's a character. I believe he goes by the cowboy in it. Um, he's like got this weird rubbery face. You Martin Short, like Morrison do. That that's the vibe I get from this guy. He looks like the cowboy. Mm-hmm. But there's a great bit where where Johnny Doe goes for the handshake, and you you think Dirk's going for it too, but he's just getting something to eat off the table. Yeah. And then Dirk, after he leaves, Jack's like, he's tired and uh, very he's shy. shy. <laughs> like I said, it's a out, tough business. Yeah. We find out that Dirk's been hanging out with Todd Parker. This yeah, they January take off immediately. I love this like super skinny bandana he wears when he's like doing his coke. And Todd Parker is saying- like that guy who's like always just jabbering away about like some useless like coke knowledge about like carpet dope and how they like put bricks of carpet in the dope also putting the ship's wheel on your wall it looks pretty cool that might be your next christmas present yeah 
I like how like Roller Girl tries to come up and like say what's up, and they're just like kind of rude to her, and they're like, yeah, whatever. She's like, oh, yeah. well, fuck you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, as, as Dirk is like mean mugging Johnny Doe, and especially that Amber's giving him attention. Like, mm-hmm. now she, she's yeah. his sex mom. Uh, yeah, so Dirk goes in the bathroom trying to get his cock hard. Uh, he's telling himself he's the stars. He's like jerking it. Well, it's 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 almost as if the movie is saying there's a downside to cocaine. Mm-hmm. It's seemingly, yeah. Uh, and he has the headband on. I want to fuck. It's my big dick. Everybody just get fucking ready now. Um, my man Reed Rostow is so loyal. Jack's just like, I don't want to shoot you in the state that you're in. What do you state, mean? State, state, of state of California? I know where the fuck I am, Jack. No, I haven't been up for two days straight, Jack. <laughs> Again. I like how like like uh when Jack finally like goes to take a swing at him, he tries to grab the stupid bandana off. Yeah, you know? yes. He's trying to rip that thing around. It's his like head. that's the crown he's trying to pull off. But like again, the this has been precarious as shit. Like the tone mm-hmm. is so easy to get wrong in this. Um I mean it's a brutal scene. It's like, oh shit, they're like they're finally having the falling out. We all know that it was coming as soon as Dirk started doing a bunch of coke, you know. Yeah, and letting his ego you know, mm-hmm. overshadow everything. Yeah, Reed goes after him. I'm so sorry, Jack. I'm going to get this straightened out. And then we got this Sound City recording studio. It's March 1983. Uh, this perfection on screen. It's also where they recorded Jesse's Girl, by the way. Oh, it's like Dirk is transitioning from porn acting to a uh, music career now because he thinks that that's something that's possible for him. This is, this is where a lot of people go after they bought him out of the porn industry, <laughs> right? Uh, but my God, when Mark Wahlberg, like... He, your eyes are going to tell you to watch Mark Wahlberg. This is a mistake. Keep your eyes glued on my man, John C. Riley in this scene. And the dance also, he's doing in the background. Yeah. Yes. Also that crazy shirt slash jacket thing he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this Transformers song. We got Michael Penn there as the music producer. And of course, do you think that's taking away from vocal? vocals? <laughs> no, it sounds pretty well mixed to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's the bass. Let's take it down. The way Reed kind of like slaps on the mixing board. He's like, let's stick up the bass. And then, uh, meanwhile, Jack is working in the, this exchange. Is he going to fuck me in the ass? Is that what you want? It'd be nice. Fuck her, fuck in, the her ass. in the ass. Lock and load, Jack. And it's like, oh, all the artistry has gone out of the, the porn now. It's, also, it's like he doesn't even care anymore. There's Floyd Gondoli on the couch. I can't remember. Is it this part? There's some a part somewhere where uh, Ricky J is explaining video. He's like, you just shoot and shoot and shoot and you edit later. No, it's. I think it's the... Uh, Hot tub scene. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's Amber and Roller Girl doing a lot of coke in their bedroom. Yeah. There's just like coke mania scenes also, here. Also, this is kind of on Jack. You have to know that cocaine has really infected your kingdom. But I mean, Jack just like, he's not the kind of guy to put his foot down about stuff like that, you know? Like he's. I feel like after the dirt blow up, you got to know what's going on here, man. He just like, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to introduce rules other than like, be it said on time maybe you know yeah like, anyway so uh you know roller girl needs to get her ged um you know great transition from amber saying if you wanted you could do anything to the part of the montage where buck and jesse are trying to get their bank loan and to- they're all like dressed nicely and yeah this is this is where you have kurt saying we shoot and shoot and deal with it later also the fact that he has to explain this to the crew while they're making the movie is hilarious to me. You know, that's really good technically, but, but it lacks passion. <laughs> and then we see the credit sequence from the Johnny Doe film where he stars as rock harders. Yes, bitch. 
lick my balls. Yeah, it's like it's like a sequence where he's apparently getting head while pointing a gun at some girl. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All the like the shots of Todd Parker like coming in the door with like a new thing of dope. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scotty's there to seemingly clean the house. <laughs> yeah, Scotty's uh, just always around. But yeah, there's this great bit where Buck is like selling the dream of Buck Super Stereo World while he starts to notice that the loan officer isn't writing anything down anymore. Um, Amber says she misses her two sons. She misses her Andrew. She misses her little Dirk. He's just so fucking talented, the bastard. I love him, Roller Girl. I mean, I really, really love the stupid jerk. Well, and just like, like, I want you to be my mom, Amber. Through this all, there's just like these constant shots of characters like doing lines of coke. Like, it's so manic. Yeah. Uh, Dirk and Reed trying to Will get the demo my tapes. mom. Yeah. Yeah. Dirk and Reed trying to get the demo tapes from the guy who owns the recording studio. Well, that sounds like a YP, not an MP. Let me explain it to you in simple fucking English. Yeah. And granted, the tapes themselves are your, your, your you own them. Okay. But the magic design tapes, the fucking heart and souls on those tapes, you don't own that. We look like assholes right now, man. Exactly. And, Bert, and there's this before. Bert just nods his head. Mm-hmm. Our shit uh, is that fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Amber's like, let's go for a walk. And Roller Girl's like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to leave this room. room. Me either. Yeah. Um, how often does Bert's job revolve around arguing of coked up wannabe musicians? Did they not get a deposit or something? Yeah, yeah. You know what <laughs> Thanks I'm for backing about? us up back there. Real good. I'm thinking about kicking some fucking ass. I like how when Dirk says that, he backs up like two feet. Yeah. Like it's like he's preparing for somebody to hold him back because he isn't actually going to do anything. Well, he's he's also he's got to do the pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fucking heartbreaking watching Buck trying to get a loan. Yeah, uh, the guy like, is just you like you can't be seen doing business with a pornographer. He's like, stop, stop saying, saying that. Pornog- I'm an actor. Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? Also. We find out in this scene that Buck Swope's real last name is Swope. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how he's just like, hey, if there's something I didn't write down or that I need to write down, you know, just let me know. Yeah. The guy's just like, nope, sorry. And then Jackson, a warehouse full of porn videos, which is the business. Uh, I was fascinated to see the big balloon that squirts out packing peanuts into the boxes they send out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then more of the... It is what it is. Yeah, Kurt editing the Johnny Doe video is going to head a gunpoint. Who's your daddy? Uh, which again, reminder, P.T. Anderson said that part of the inspiration for writing this movie was walking past these air- warehouses in L.A. as a kid. And imagining what the what hell they did inside on, yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get to the Amber in a legal proceeding for custody of her son. Reminder, her name is Maggie. This, this movie the- just like really likes to punch you in the gut occasionally by like showing the the harsh reality away from the party, you know? Yeah. The 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 card here is Tuesday morning, September 1983. Uh, we had Johnny Doe earlier. Amber's ex is a musician and actor named John Doe, who you might remember as the knife wielding bartender from Roadhouse. Uh, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's of Jackie Treehorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so the he looks like a real piece of shit too. Oh yeah, he does. Um, but you kind of agree with him to a certain degree well because i mean at, at first she's like no that never happened my son was never exposed to that and and but then he kind of like fires back and he's just like you know like like i think it's when the judge asks her like when's the last time you're arrested or something well, because like he claims that she's on drugs and she's mm-hmm. like no 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 i don't do drugs and the judge asks when's the last time you're arrested what was the charge and then again the brilliance of just cutting we cut to her outside crying. We know exactly what went down. Mm-hmm. 
It's like she doesn't get that she's been buried by the truth. And then the uh, scene with Jack Horner and Roller Girl here. What do they call this? Like, um, like on, on the yeah. like on the town or something on like the that. town or something like that. Yeah. This, I mean, basically, it's the bang bus. But like, this might be the my least favorite scene to watch on the lookout. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday, December eleventh, nineteen eighty three. Well, it's all shot uh, at like with the video look and. Roller girl has like the eighties crimped hair, but like she's like vamping for the camera and like making these faces, but you can, you can always tell that like she's uncomfortable about this at the same well, time. The way the movie goes into her eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also you can't hide Jack's derision at all of this where he's like, we're going to make film history right here on videotape. On videotape. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Dirk Diggler has been reduced to like jerking off for 10 bucks for this guy. He, he this wanted the 20. Guy, the guy's like, I only have 10. Yeah. This is the guy with the knife from the Zeppo. Who's oh, right, also right, yeah. in Mike Dexter's posse and can't hardly wait. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is fucking traumatized me by seeing him in these three movies and having to associate that all together in my brain. Well, and this at the at this point the score goes into this really low, like dun 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 dun, like well, over just, and over repetitiveness. Is this ominous ringing bell mm-hmm. just bong, bong, bong? Yeah, and like as Dirk is like he's like feeding into it slightly as they like drive off in the middle of nowhere. And he's just like, "I'm Dirk. Do you know who I am? I'm Dirk Diggler." And he's like, "No, sorry, you're just some guy. <laughs> I'm just helping you out by watching you jerk off." Yeah, um, and then the guy that they pick up, of course, is the guy who was like a shit to her in class for a roller girl, and he's like, "Your name's Brandy, right?" Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, I don't know. Well, he knows exactly. So he doesn't take her seriously. He's disrespecting yeah. her. And so we, this guy is just going to like, the idea is that he's going to pick up some stranger who's going to fuck her. And like, Jack is like, this isn't a hole in the wall, pal. This is roller girl. Be respectful. Just let me do girl. my thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just intercutting these two train wrecks of people's lives. They eventually kick this guy out of the car as he's giving shit to roller girl. Does roller girl Does- murder this guy? Quite possibly. Uh, he tells Jack that his don't ever fucking disrespect now. me. Yeah, that's what sets Jack off. Your films fucking suck now. Yeah, so Jack gets out, beats the shit out of him first, and then yeah, she's just stomping his face with her roller, roller skates. Bl- yeah. Roller skates. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Dirk can't get it hard, and then like a bunch of like good old boys show up, and they all beat the shit out of this guy. Which I guess it was all some sort of like setup. Because like they're just like let's go beat up any like gay guys we find hustling or something. I guess is like what the the plan was here with this other guy, which seems like a lot of dudes really. I don't know, counting on a lot of factors to work out. It seems like a whole homoerotic enterprise. It, it definitely seems like some sort of like internalized homophobia situation here. Yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so they get the shit out of Dirk. Then uh, you get this this full on magnolia moment as like the limo with them with uh, with Jack mm. and Roller Girl drives past these guys and on the same road we get Buck and Jesse driving past they stop for donuts we see Jesse's very pregnant Buck's getting the donuts inside there's Christmas decorations ever there's this sweet moment as he's like you know like getting like different donuts for the dozen and he's like oh did you design these for Christmas that's cute that's well, cute something, yeah it's something about the way that uh this is all shot where you have like the perfect kind of like um like Christmas carols on like the, the the PA system inside the donut shop and it's like shooting behind the donuts and the kind of like 
you know, dollying across. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's such a neat vibe. Like you, you totally can put yourself in this like late night donut shop situation. And like, I feel like at this point in the movie, if you don't just like absolutely love Buck Swope and want to die for him, like, I don't know who you are, but it's like, it's so ominous. You're just like, no Buck, like nothing bad can happen to him. You know? Yeah. Oh, the movie, if you want to die for him, the movie might feels like it's about to call on you to do so. Mm-hmm. Also, we make sure we know that there's a fucking gun nut already sitting in there eating a donut. As some robber comes in. What um, is that guy doing? I mean, it's presumably what, like two in the morning. And he's just like, I'm going to go to my favorite donut shop and eat a donut and read my like hunting and fishing guide. Right, right. And the, the, the implication, I think, too, is that Jesse's having a craving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's pregnant. Yeah. It's like, well, this is the, it's late at night. She's got a craving. And he's like, all right, cool. We'll go drive to the donut shop. Yeah. I mean, but I think um, the the fucking fallacy of the, the Republican idea here. That, the uh, gun here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because this guy comes in to rob them and this guy is just going to pull his gun out and shoot this guy. And Buck sees it. And Buck is smart. He's just like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Shut and so he the shoots- fuck up. Yeah, yeah, we went from, you know, potentially nobody dies. Potentially the guy just gets some money and leaves. Instead, three people die. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty comical, though. The gun nut shoots the robber. The robber shoots the gun nut. The gun nut then shoots the uh, clerk behind the counter in the back of the head. As he, like, flops over dead, yeah. Yeah, with enough, you know, cash in a bag that Buck has to wait for a moment if he wants to grab it. So he grabs it. How much money do you think is in that bag? I mean, he went to the safe, so I'm going to guess like a few thousand at least. It had to be to open up Buck Super Stereo World. Yeah, I mean, 80s prices and all. But like what I love about this is that we've seen like the world kind of shit on Buck Swope to this point. You know, like he's got this idea for business and the bank won't do business with him for discriminatory reasons. And in here, it's just like the world has given you shit. It's time for you to get it back. Well, what I love too is that I feel like I've noticed at times that there are people in this life who, if they don't know that the barriers exist, those barriers never touch them, even though they should. There's no way that he should be able to get away scot-free with this money, but seemingly he does, I mean, and 80s. we're happy for him. I mean, what, what and you? we're happy for yeah. him. Well, it's 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 presented as like, is this the right thing to do? Maybe, maybe not. It's not the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And then the title cards, which have been a little chaotic throughout this movie Mm -hmm. gave us the most chaotic one ever which is long way down parentheses one last thing love it this is my favorite sequence in all of cinema i think i love this whole sequence so much and i i could go look up and read more about the wonderland thing of john holmes but i don't want to no i'd rather not yeah so we're no question the phone number yeah todd rod todd reed dirk and scotty and uh, Todd Parker has a plan to rob this guy named Rayhod Jackson who comes to the party boys. Well, the way the camera is circling around them the whole time with Scotty just in the background. Yeah, pacing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call him on the phone. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. Scotty's like, you guys should be careful. And Dirk's like, Scotty, what the fuck? Anyways. Yeah. Also, it's pretty hilarious to watch Dirk Reed and Todd crammed in that Corvette as they pull up the Rayhod Jackson's. <laughs> Do you guys address? Yeah, read the guy's fucking address. They get there. Todd pulls out a gun and Dirk's like, what the fuck is that, Todd? That's a big fucking gun. <laughs> Do you have a gun? Oh, the uh, way they drop the Coke on the way up. Yeah. Again, greatest scene in cinematic history. This, this might be the best thing I've ever seen in my life. The, the psyching himself up, like the <laughs> like pressing the button for the, the doorbell. I love it all. It's so perfect. And uh, then there's, speaking of perfection, Alfred Molina in a Speedo in a bathrobe. 
listening to Sister Christian by Night Ranger <laughs> while smoking crack. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so good. This whole scene is just like incredible. The fireworks going off in the background, like the firecrackers. I guess like he had earplugs in so he wouldn't react to him when right. everyone else is. Yeah. Um. So this will blow your mind. In the interview in Variety, talking about licorice pizza. PTA said that he desperately, desperately, desperately wanted Sean Penn for this role. Which would have been oh, so I, wrong. No. So wrong. Alfred Molina is so much better. Yeah. Uh, Ray Hot is so into the buildup from Sister Christian. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Ray Hot asks what the price is and Todd just starts laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> it's like so unhinged. Like you, you're like so strung out at this point in the movie. Like they're, they're just reached absolute rock bottom here. Well, and the fact that, that his plan might work. Mm-hmm. It's got to be mind blowing to him. <laughs> the way they just they keep flinching because of the firecrackers. Yeah, and it, it's like the tension. It's like it's hilarious. It's also super tense. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. And then he's just like, "Oh, hold on a second And he like starts like doing the drum solo to like Sister Christian. Yeah. So the bodyguard takes the coke and like brings Todd the cash and Dirk and reads. I love the, the way bodyguard's, like, bodyguard's just like five grand. Yeah, he's got a gun and a holster in his tracksuit. No shirt, mm-hmm. but a holster and a gun. Uh, so he knows that the guy's about to test the coke they brought, even though they were told that Rayhod never tests the coke. Well, you can't um, so, tell if he's testing or not. He's just doing something with it over there, like weighing it or, or you don't know what. But it's, it's just like, oh, like the, the more that guy's doing that, the closer we are to getting caught. So Rayhod puts a revolver, pulls out a revolver, puts a, bull, a single bullet in it, puts it to his chin. He's like, do you fucking dare me? Well, the and way he's like, just like, no, we don't dare you, sir. The way it's just like, you guys want to see something? He just gets this box out and opens it up. And they're all like, oh, fuck, it's a gun. Like, they don't know. Does he already know the Coke is fake? You know, like, yeah, he has no idea, like, where he's coming from. And then he, like, pretends to, like, do Russian roulette, basically. Well, <laughs> Your fucking again, faces. The effortlessness of this character and this monologue. Like, I think about how forced Bill's whole Superman thing is and kill Bill. Right, yeah. And, like, this guy, he's just like, I don't like people telling me what to listen to and what order, and my, so I make my awesome mixtapes. Well, and of course... And that they sync the music perfectly to these crescendos in the middle of the scenes, you know, various parts of the song. Yeah, and then it, it suddenly, like, cuts off and starts playing in reverse. Awesome mixtape number six there. Even though, because they're on crack, he says it's awesome mixtape number 11. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that's Cosmo. He puts up the hand to his mouth. He's Chinese. As though that explains everything. Yeah. Like, oh, well, uh, of course. Yes. Now I understand. And then Jesse's girl comes on and Ray Hot just performs a song and yells, Ricky Springfield. He's a, a buddy, buddy of, of mine. mine. Is this the best needle drop ever? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Well, Dirk. Like nobody Jess- can do Jesse's girl in a movie now. Like it's spoken no. for. Dirk just fucking hears this song man especially when the the verse that starts with i play along with the charade they start talking cute well, it's, it's like his just, world it just changed. holds on him for like a minute straight as like he's having this existential crisis listening to jesse's girl and it like well, it somehow makes perfect sense when you're watching it you're like i totally understand where dirk is coming from in this moment well this i kind of like snort laugh as he's just like fuck yeah yeah um this world, the world's changed and he's changing it. Yeah. So Dirk and Reed try to leave, but Todd doesn't want to leave yet. Well, the way he like, he finally snaps out of his crisis and he's just like, we got to go, man. It's like, he's suddenly like, he's come to an epiphany and he's like, all right, we got to get out of here. But, yeah. uh, Todd Parker's not ready to go. The master because bedroom under, under the, the bed, bed in the floor. In the floor safe. Safe. Uh, are you kidding i love the way you read it's just like sir we don't know what 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 he's talking about and ray Hod's just like oh it's 
course, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like I understand. Yeah. As he's like, he's just like he's not he's dealt with Todd Parker's before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Todd holds off the bodyguard for a moment, and then Rayhot shoots him in the shoulder. See, the bodyguard has two guns. There's I like the way Rayhot has to pull the trigger a couple times because of the uh, you know, there's only one bullet. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like so like Todd shoots the bodyguard, Rayhot runs in the bedroom, and he's just like, he's got coke, he's, he's got, got cash. cash. <laughs> That's what we came here to do, and that's what we're motherfucking gonna do. And then he gets a stomach full of shotgun from Ray Hodge. Well, it perfectly synced to 99 Luft Balloons. Another, yeah. just like, I'm sorry, you wanted three perfect needle drops in a row? Here's another one. Yeah. yeah. And Ray Hodge starts chasing them down, yelling, Come on, you puppies. It's just like, I feel like this is PTA just being like, just, hey, Tarantino, watch this. But like- I just owned you. I feel like I have watched sequences of movies that were attempting at this, but they were grosser, fouler in a way. Just this like, just perfect. more like, I don't know, like th- there's other types of sequences like this where it's like the more filmmaker shocking. wants to rub your nose in it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, like, this is not exactly shocking me. And that's partly why it works. It's like exhilarating and terrifying at the same time, but, but also yeah. like deeply funny. Well, but also it's that time when you're when you're you're watching a beloved character arc and you're mm-hmm. at that dark point of your character. There's some part of you that doesn't want to watch your character go through it, but you also know both I and the character fucking need this low point. And you've also like you've kind of just experienced Dirk having his epiphany. Yeah. You know, and realizing like well, you gotta, oh, you gotta it's, survive. it's going to be better now if he can get out of this. You gotta survive your epiphany. That's mm-hmm. that's the real trial by fire, yeah. So he chases Dirk and Reed outside. They're pushing the Corvette down the street. Dirk manages to get in for a moment. I love the way Reed them. just kind of like runs off to the side, and that's the last you see of him for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dirk's crying as he's like driving off the rear window, blown out. Real quick, I, I don't Reed- think we mentioned it. Like Marky Mark, there in that epiphany scene, is a, he's amazing. Yeah. Like I think he got nominated for this movie. If he didn't, he that's definitely should have. Like this is the best work he has ever done. I mean, the part it is up there, but I think this is definitely better. That's not to say that I need to see like uncharted starring Marky Mark or <sighs> countless other movies he's done. It's weird that like I, he can be good in certain yeah. types of roles, but he's usually not doing those roles. He's usually well, just you know, like doing whatever dumb action movies. I know he was supposedly very offended and upset by the whole Andy Samberg impression on SNL. Oh really? And it's like, it's like, Hey buddy, you should embrace it. That was yeah, part really. of what made you work. Mm-hmm. Um, also, isn't this kind of shot of Dirk Diggler? Isn't this kind of like the last time we see Aaron Paul in that Breaking Bad show? Um, like driving off crying. Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> so later we see that during the daytime that Dirk has pushed the Corvette to near Jack's house. Uh, very, very licorice pizza as he's run out of gas. Um, we see Jack making a drink and Dirk walks in like asking help for help. Well, we never uh, see um, Jack's face in this whole scene. It's just like Dirk in the background, and we just see. Don't like we see the, when they finally do the reverse, and he gives him the hug. Oh yeah, when he finally does the reverse, yeah. But up until then, like we don't know how Jack is reacting to any of this. Is Dirk kind of like apologizing right. and asking for help? Because we need to see Jack. We need to see Dirk cry mm-hmm. and like beat as low as an ass and say he's sorry and ask for the help. Um, and then later we see Dirk laying his head in like Amber's lap as he cries and she comforts him. Marky Mark looks so destitute here that he looks like his brother, which is just damn. You know that's bad. Oof, oof rough. Uh, and then we get the wrap up montage where we see the Buck Super Cool Stereo World commercial. Well, God only knows is playing. Directed by uh, Amber Ways. Love it. 
Film by Kurt with cue cards by Scotty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another uh, roller- needle drop. God only knows. Yeah, roller shut up, Colonel. Getting- shut up. Yeah, roller girl's getting her GED. Colonel's being slapped and crying. In- well, like the roller girl's getting her GED, but it's like she's just kind of staring out the window. It's like, man, this kind of sucks, but like it's, it's what she's got to do. Like it's not exactly a happy moment, you know? No, no. Uh, Maurice is unveiling a new sign at his nightclub with his brothers. It says Rodriguez Brothers yeah. Nightclub. That's a Q. That's supposed to be a G. Oh, no. Yeah. And then Reed is doing magic. And this has the most like Joe Bloof energy ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like uh, magic, but with uh, some naked ladies. Well, it, so the girl comes out of the safe, like unstabbed, but topless. I feel like implying that the real magic trick is that he removed her top. <laughs> it's just like, what the heck? Naughty, naughty, naughty. candy. <laughs> And then he got uh, Jesse St. Vincent's uh, giving birth. Buck's was right there with her. And then it's like the camera just kind of pans around and Scotty's there filming on video. Looking very uncomfortable. I mean, his camera is like right up in there. It is right there. But it's like that's that's what Scotty does. He's just always there. Uh, at Jack's, Kurt, Rusty, and Scotty are unloading the truck of equipment. It does it kind of seem shot. like maybe they're like they're getting the old film gear back out or something. Maybe. Maybe. The family's back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice is in the kitchen cooking something. Uh, Roller Girl is rolling around listening to Voices Carry by Till Til Tuesday. Yes. Uh, yes. Future call out to Amy Man and Magnolia. Um, and Drake tells her to take the dirt from one side of her room and move it to the other so half the room will look clean. All right, it's uh, like very Reed, much just like familial bliss here. Yeah. Reads in the reads with Jesse's baby in the pool while Jesse's painting the pool. And Jack's like, he's not going to piss in the pool. As soon. She's like, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's great yeah uh, so box like setting setting up the, up the, the stereo system yeah wants to upgrade it to make it louder and jack's just like that's not what i want i want it mellow i love when the camera just like is falling around and then just like stops at the painting of little bill it's like well little bill's dead now but he's still here in spirit clearly done by jesse mm-hmm. is this painting right where he shot himself too I, it seems like it is yeah or that's like very dark. close to it that's kind of dark Passed by Roller Girl cleaning up her room, and he goes and checks on Amber, and he's just like, you know what I'm staring at? I'm staring at the foxiest bitch in the whole world. Such a charmer. And it's like, it's it's like not exactly happy. It's like Amber is just looking at herself like, well, it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. This is the family I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And then from that, we we, uh, match cut to Dirk staring himself in the mirror in his fucking Miami Vice outfit, and he delivers the most incredible monologue. Been around this block twice now. I'm looking for something, a clue. But look for clues, and something led me back here. Yep. So here I am. Could have been me, the one that was at Ringo's place when the shit went down. Hey, I know how it is. I've been there. We've all done bad things. Bad things. We've all had, We've had those, those guilty, guilty feelings, feelings in our heart. heart. You want to take your brain out of your head and wash it and scrub it and make it clean? Well, now, I can help you settle this. First, we're going to check for holes. See what we can find. Then we're going to get nice and wet and you're going to spread your legs. This is like the way it morphs from a regular monologue to like a cheesy action movie to like a porn movie. Yeah. So you know me. You know my reputation. 13 inches, a tough load. I don't treat you gently. So I'm going to be nice. Oh, he says, that's right. I'm I'm Brock Landers. So I'm going to be nice. So I'm going to be nice. Yes. And I'm going to ask you more. Where the fuck is Ringo? Ringo? He stands up and pulls his massive fucking schlong out. Yeah. This thing is just a monster. This monster dong. I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. Karate moves. Exit. Living thing plays. That's right. And then, yeah, living thing. And the way 
it starts with the horn and then kicks in right as the door shuts. Mm-hmm. Perfection. It's a real film, Jack. It's uh, this is a film I want them to remember PTA by. Yeah, seriously. Um, make one change. I want to say nothing. It's perfect. Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I'm fine with this movie just the way it is. It's it's chaotic in places, but it needs to be. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a bunch of extra scenes where like, it's like the Johnny Doe character is like driving and like hits Dirk's parents and kills yeah. them both in a car accident. And uh, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's too pat. It's too perfect. And like, um, I think Dr- like Dirk returns to his house at some point and they're like, Oh, your parents are dead. Or I don't know. It's, there's like a lot of extra weird scenes like that, or like him getting in the wreck with his yeah. vet, which it's, like they uh, did like completely unsafely. Apparently like the way they filmed that, they're just like, Hey, go, go wreck that car and we'll film it. Yeah. Well, you find out when you watch the movie, you don't need to know when he says, like, I need enough money to fix the vet. Yeah. You don't really need to know what happened to the vet. Um, yeah, I, I, it's like the fucking Donnie Darko cut where there's like, they re-released the director's cut of all of the extra scenes put in. It's like, well, this is a bad movie. Yeah, no, the, all the cuts were good. Like, yeah. I, I've seen all the deleted scenes and none of them like, oh, they should have kept that in. Yeah. And right. trivia? Um. For my best, I'm just going to go with all the details about the fights that PTA and Burt Reynolds had on set. It just seems hilarious to me. That's what I have is worst. I have a couple. I have a couple best because it's, it's that kind of movie. One is that Mark Wahlberg kept the prosthetic dick. Oh, sure. It's it's biodegradable rubber and foam. And can we put on? To... Can we put in a piece of trivia that's not in the IMDb trivia? Sure. Which is that supposedly it was down to Leo and Marky Mark, and oh, Marky yes, Mark yes. said, "I've got two inches on Leo," and PTA was like, "You're hired." And the truth is that Leo had to go do Titanic. Yeah. Um, big mistake. But yeah, also, apparently he's had that thing and it started to fall apart, which is wild. Barry uh, Sonnenfeld. Bro, my fake dick's falling apart. Barry Sonnenfeld became depressed because he always wanted to make a movie about his start as a cinematographer in porn movies. And he saw this. Um, a group of teens at an early screening started cheering when little Bill grabbed the gun. And P.T. Anderson was there at the screening and got worried. I have a question. Why yeah. is there a group of teens at a screening for this movie? I mean, I support it, but still. And he's like, oh, my God, they took the wrong thing from this movie. And then they all got definitely silent when Macy's character shot himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that, that somebody on IMDb went and did a body count for this movie. Yeah, great. And there's nine dead people in this movie. All right. Can I do my worst? Please. Uh, this is an IMDb uh, thing that says, Jack Horner tells Kurt, switch the title card. I want it to come flying out of the screen, right at the audience. And Kurt replies, nice, piece of cake. Kurt is played by Ricky Jay, an expert at magic and card tricks, who makes playing cards fly across the stage with speed and accuracy. What the fuck is that? My God. And some of them are just like, uh, Luis Guzman and uh, Don Cheeto were in traffic after this. Yeah, great. It's like, okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh... Right. Uh, so better and worse it's better it's all of them yes it's better than i'm number four it's better than jack reacher it's better than jurassic park this is like i think this is my number three i go empire strikes back doctor strange love and then boogie nights i love this movie it's definitely in my top five um i don't know i don't think that i would i don't know man how, how do i even put this i wouldn't be doing a podcast like this if it weren't for this movie definitely yeah, one of the all timers. Um, 
like I probably hadn't watched this movie in a few years when I started watching it, and it was just like such a delight. Like I've seen this movie so many times, it never gets old. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the pod. Happy New Year, everyone. Twenty twenty two. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. Twenty twenty two. That's what's going to happen for us, man. Mm-hmm. What are we doing next? Uh. So I'll probably take us another quick break and then do some more movies and then maybe do a different podcast. Yeah. We were thinking about maybe doing some sort of book club podcast, um, in the future, just change things up a little. We'll see. Yeah. Um, if you want to support the pod, you can rate and view us on iTunes, or you can go to my name is trouble.com and buy our book. My name is trouble or it's sequel. Trouble always finds me. They're both lots of fun. If you like uh, detective mysteries, working hard on the third one right now. 2022 fingers crossed and we're just going to keep rocking and rolling and hope that you guys will too it's a real film jack later bye